Okay, here's here's my impression of uh, a Christmas Carol in the '80s. Sure, sure. Here it is. Boy George, boy George, what day is it? COVID time is here again. COVID time is here again. COVID time is here again. O-U-T spells out. Hello everyone, welcome to Sticky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. Calling from a, from a closet. Yeah, calling from the closet. It's a closeted <laughs> Christmas. It's the, it's the Paul Lynn closeted Christmas special. We are... Hi, uh... <laughs> Come on in. And why am I in the closet? Well, the obvious thing is where the presents are. Hey, there. Come out of the closet, Paul. No, it's where the presents are. Get out of here. You come in. It's also a time where we're all in here. So many of us are in here. More people than you'd expect. Um. So thank you for starting with a song. You're welcome. Uh, that was. This is my. Slightly altered Beatles song there. Oh, cool, cool. This is my this is my Christmas uh, COVID song. Here mm -hmm. it is. Sure. <clears throat> Ready? Yeah. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but inside is even more frightful. <laughs> so since everything is frightful, ah! <laughs> David M does a does a kind of a version of that, very similar oh, to that. Okay. Am I off David M? You're Tell me what it is. I know, I know he does the uh, Winter Wonderland one. Yes, but he does one. It's uh, it goes like the weather outside is frightful. Yeah. The fire is also frightful. Okay. And then it's like uh, it just keeps like mounting up the frightfulness. Like you know the you know personal intimacy is also frightful, and this oh, is, but also okay. loneliness okay. is equally frightful. And yeah, so it's frightful. It's frightful. It's frightful. Very good. Yeah. Then I am going nice. to not ever do that again. <laughs> so it's fine. Thank you so much. It's uh, fine. That's a, please pick up uh, all the no fun albums that you can. I I don't think I don't think it's wrong to uh, to riff. You know, like that's the nature of uh, comedy. You know, like no one says uh, you can't uh, you can't improve on or or riff on. You know, that's the nature yeah. of creativity. Here's a here's my question about the song Silent Night. Sure. It says uh, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. Yeah. Um, but. Mm -hmm. uh, According to the story, yes, uh, you know the the hotel is packed. There's not a there's not an empty room in <laughs> yeah, town. Sure, and you're telling me everyone's uh, just mum. Yeah, they're sleeping. You know, they're asleep. Everyone's everyone's asleep. Yeah, they're going to sleep. Eh, all right, fair enough. What are they going? Okay. What, what else are they going to do? This is the old days, you know. Sit sit by a candle. Uh, I would say uh, drink and fuck. <laughs> well, that's this possible. Is the old days, and it's the Old Testament. Uh, drink and fuck, pretty much, right? If I'm remembering the Old Testament right? Is that all the Old Testament is? I think so. And then there's a lot of rules <laughs> saying, hey, quit drinking and having sex. <laughs> unless, right. of course, it's, uh, unless, of course, you're making babies for our side. Yeah, yeah. Case. That's fine. Then you may fuck uh, away. You may fuck Peter away. Patter. Go have at her. Sorry for starting with... Yeah, that's our, really... What a Christmas episode. <laughs> yeah. Just so everyone knows, this is episode 525 that we mm -hmm. are releasing on the 25th which is Christmas Day. Pretty exciting. Right. Despite right. despite uh, Crystal's admonition that we not do this 
we are still releasing this on Christmas. Yeah, sorry about sorry about that, Crystal. Sorry, Apologies. Crystal. I, I just can't. My OCD will not allow me to, to, to not have a show not come out on on Saturday. That is that is okay. We've only had like, we've only missed we've never missed an episode, and we have had like the odd hiccup where shows have you know come out on Sunday, either due to my uh, you know procrastination or through, uh, some sort of emergency. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Power outages, hospital visits, things like that, you know. Sure. Uh, I think we also had a day earlier this week, and it was the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century. We also had one of those, but we didn't do anything special for that. So, sorry. No, I went, oh. actually went completely disregarded by me. That's that's uh, that's too bad. Oh, oh well, well, we'll get the next one. I am, look, I am looking oh. forward to my birthday next year, because that will be a fun sort of numerical thing. Oh, what's happening? It'll, it'll be two twenty two twenty two. Oh, okay. Or twenty two two twenty two two twenty two to be to be uh, and that's, more accurate. That's where we're going to be starting our new podcast where we go through every episode of the TV <laughs> series Room Two Two Two. I don't know. Don't was that like the school one? Yeah, Karen Valentine uh, stars. Do you really remember that show? Oh, what's that? Do you remember that show? Oh yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah, because it was one of those shows that was like the. Uh, you know, the crisis of the week. So, like, a kid would get sick, who mm-hmm. you'd never see again. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, there'd be a kid with a wheelchair who shows up. Or, you know, it, it is the... I'm, I'm, I'm like, 80% sure they had the tried acid, jumped out a window episode. Um, and uh, people were always flirting, I think, with Karen Valentine. She was the hot teacher. Sure. And, you know, she had to teach them a lesson about sexism and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, we should, we should go episode by episode of Room 222. And then, <laughs> okay. also... Yeah. Yep. Try to bring back the old pizza place, uh, Pizza Two 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 Two. You can get them to be sponsors, even though they don't exist anymore. Sure, sure. You know, even, because they don't exist anymore, we can just make them the sponsor. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. In fact, yeah, that seems like the ideal sponsor for us. Yeah, this is not good pizza, is what we'd say. <laughs> Folks, do you want some cardboard that's easy to to remember the number of Pizza Two Two Two? That is an easy number for stoners to remember. <laughs> I think they're smart on that thing. It's like, hey, you're ordering pizza, huh? And you're pretty high. You want to go look something up? Or, just you, know, yeah. you know what it is. <laughs> Except I'm sure most of them just dial two, 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 and never stop hitting the two. And then when they pick up the phone, it's just do, 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 still keeps going. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> they're used to that at the rest- at the, at the uh, pizza pizzeria. They're just like, ugh. Again. Yeah. We'll just wait it out. They'll tucker themselves out, and then they'll be hungry. They'll order more pizza. Here we go. So I, I know it's Christmas morning, but um, let's pretend that it's actually Thursday that we're talking. Um, are you all ready for Christmas? No. 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 <laughs> are, you like, are you like me that you're only ready for Christmas just because it's too late to get any more ready for Christmas? It's the... I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm Lauren Michaels right now. Okay. Saturday Night Live doesn't go on the air because we're ready. It goes on the air because it's 1130. And so yeah. that's what's going to happen. Christmas will come because mm-hmm. the yeah. date will arrive. Yeah. And uh, there we go. That'll, that'll be the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, so I'm think, the same. I did do a mad dash for uh, various food things today that I think will still be okay in uh, two days from now. I think they will. Nice. So I think we're going to be all right for that. You know, it's funny. I went to a store. I went to a store tonight, actually, and I was uh, buying foods, foodstuffs, preparing for uh, for a Christmas dinner and for Christmas brunch, and you know what they don't? It's weird at like our local grocery store, they don't sell like cooking wine 
which I thought was very oh. strange. Like, why wouldn't what's you? Your lo- what's your local uh, store, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, save on. Huh. That seems weird. Okay. I mean, it's a small store. You know, like, it was. it's not... Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. So, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. All right, yeah, yeah. It's a smaller store, so maybe they, they, maybe they don't think they have the shelf space, but it's weird because they have, like... They have like weird sections in the store that's that are you know that don't I guess they cater to the population of Aldergrove a secret population you know okay. Aldergrove is mostly like a bunch of white people you know it is starting to get more uh, diverse but still it's mostly white people but it feels weird when you go to a store like that that there's like a whole like section of olive oils like can, <laughs> can we not I just have like like one shelf of olive oils and maybe some cooking wine and and stuff like this is, it feels weird like like why why like is there some ex use i don't know of for balsamic vinegar that it requires like a floor to ceiling shelf space in a store like i don't like i don't know it's weird like i shouldn't say that there were other vinegars there like they did have some red wine vinegar and white vinegar and stuff but it seemed yeah. like there were two whole shelves of balsamic vinegar like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's super yeah, popular. It I don't pop- understand it. Yeah, it must be popular enough that it makes sense. I think it is one of those things that it doesn't cost a lot, but you can indulge. And it sounds like you can <laughs> indulge so. it, right? Sure. Make your own, you know, uh, you know, salad dressings or yeah. you know, people want it. It's it's also considered very healthy. I, I, I drink like four tablespoons of olive oil in the morning. All the way. Uh, me being a weirdo. Yeah. Okay. But it, it, something that was recommended to me, and so I didn't. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. It was a. It was part of like a Mediterranean uh, diet kind okay. of thing. Okay. Sure. Like, sure. You know, one of the things is like olive oil. I was like, can you just can you just drink olive oil? And it was like, oh, of course, yeah, you can. It was like all these. Basically, it was when I was diagnosed with AFib. Yeah. And it was like two different diets for uh, for things, mm-hmm. and the Mediterranean diet was one of them. And also, they also did this series of tests on people. And went like, and these people drank some olive oil in the morning. This people did not. And the people who drank the olive oil it worked out better for the people who drank the olive oil. I was like, well. <laughs> I can I can drink a bit of olive oil because I've got olive oil, so sure, fine, let's do that. Because ah. I was thinking about uh, cod liver oil. I heard that was good, but it's not actually super yeah. good. Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah, I used to well, have to have that as a kid. We we always it was like the nightly um, torture moment where my mom would give us a spoonful of cod liver oil. Later on, we had like little glycerin pills of of it, which was more yeah. more palatable. You just had to you know you just had to learn to swallow the pills before they dissolved in your mouth. But the days when we had to like take a spoonful of cod liver oil and swallow it, ugh, ugh, yeah, ugh. and that was like it a be- like, that was the bedtime ritual. It wasn't that in yeah, the morning? It was, really, it was. It was you know it was vitamin A. You know that's that's the reason you take take that. It's good for it. Actually, is pretty good for kids. But for huh. what I was uh, wanting, it wasn't so so good for me. And once upon a time, I did have gout, mm. and gout kind of came from I was I was doing too much uh, like uh, I was taking sardine oil and some other fish oils. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and and ended up with gout and was like, "What the hell?" So yeah, mix on that. Yeah, uh, but the olive oil, I I still do. People saw you and said, "Who are you? A feudal lord?" Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of uh, the uh, bringing a father comic strip. Did he have remember gout? I don't remember. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a reoccurring thing because he was like a poor guy. Yeah, yeah. Like the concept was, he was a poor guy, a poor Irishman. Mm-hmm. who uh, got a fortune and like he doesn't know what to do with the money what an idiot and his wife is always like eat healthy and he's like i, I will but he eats the decadence with the rich man uh, okay food. yeah yeah so uh, he pays the price of having the rich man's you know disease of uh, gout where his uh foot hurts and so he's all like you know, 
sit, sitting down and bandaged foot. And then, mm. of course, you know, something, something hits it. Yeah, into yeah. the room and hits the foot. And he's, yeah, oh, or pretending like he doesn't have gout. <laughs> and someone steps on his foot and he's, oh, yeah, my wife can't know. And it's that kind of stuff. You know. Okay. Dumb Dumb gets hurt. And so it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is fun. That's a lot of fun. Speaking of um, speaking of olive oil, uh, I don't know why this reminds me, but as as you know, Lisa and I went for a little uh, jaunt around Vancouver last night, dropping off. Uh, yes, let treats. me say thank you so much for uh, the Christmas cookies. Much much appreciated. Oh, Very you're delicious. You're welcome. That's, that's all, Lisa. That's all, Lisa. I merely I merely consume them. So, but um, I did drive. I did drive the the vehicle, so I should yeah. get some props and for that. And you climbed up the stairs and you handed them to me. <laughs> I guess I did. Um, yeah, I just wanted, I took them out of her hands and, and, here, look what I made, I said. <laughs> yeah, you took the credit. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the way it works. That's the way it works. So we went around and we delivered them to, uh, we delivered to the, someone to the third dragon, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob, they weren't, oh, they weren't home, but um, I had contacted her and they, she said they were out and about, so I, uh, I, 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 we put them, I just, as you know, like she's had a basement suite down at the bo- ba- bottom of a stairwell, so I just I just threw them down there. Oops! I just threw. Yeah, let's shoot. mention what her address is too. Yeah, yeah. I just threw them down the stairs and uh, with I just I wrote to her and said minimal spill spillage, so no no problem. Very Santa like. Yeah, yeah. That's what he did. Ho ho ho! Smash. So um. By the way, I really hope that uh, her husband is real. <laughs> you know, like right. every time he show up and it's like, oh, is he there? Uh, no, yeah, no, no. You know, pretend not to be there. It's like I hope he's real. Like I could see her, you know, just like photoshopping an image of this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but I hope, I, I hope, you know, that I, I, I be- I'm going to say I believe eighty yeah. percent that uh, she's really married and that he's a real person. Sure, she's not using pictures of Wes Anderson or Beck as uh, you know. Look, I think she might be combining. Look, look at my husband. Uh, yeah. Random members of Sloan as well. <laughs> Just cut out. Uh, yeah. So so after we after we did that, um, we decided we were going to go out and have have dinner, mm. and so we went to a restaurant that we like to go to, the Trocadero. Yes. Which is a what a, a place I like very much because I I enjoy eccentric restaurants. <laughs> And it is it is an eccentric restaurant. It's very much a neighborhood restaurant. Yes, it is. With the chattiest waitstaff in the world who are as pleased to talk to you for five minutes as to take your order. And uh, but when you take someone when you take someone to a restaurant that you like, you know you're always kind of nervous because they might not like it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you're gonna. Not been there before? No, she never been before. This. This was her first time. Okay. Like we've we've gone, you know. Obviously, we've gone because we go after the show. But Lisa very, doesn't really come to the shows with, because it's too late for her. Yeah, <laughs> her. Let's, set, let's set the let's set the stage. It looks sure, like sure, like it's the Greekest Greek restaurant you've ever seen on the outside. It's like very Greekity Greek, like the yeah. signs. Yeah, very Greek. You walk in and it's got a bunch of weird murals. <laughs> yeah, and it's a bit yep. it's a bit too big for what it is. It's like the it kind does of feel kind of roomy. Yeah, too roomy. Yeah, yeah. It feels like the kind of place that, uh, you know, when I used to bowl, and at the end of the year, we'd have, like, the bowling awards, we'd go to a place like this. Yeah. And we'd fill up the room with a bunch of kids, and it, it was weird. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, kind of uh, some useless acreage in this restaurant, you know, like, there's, like, this kind of weird sidebar it's not used. It looks like it's like this. They just have stuff kind of piled there that just store things. And then when you go down towards the bathrooms, it's sort of this vast antechamber, you know. And it's kind of nice that the bathrooms are so large, but at the same time, you just feel like, where am I going? This is 
<laughs> Big yeah, Giant Hallway. It's not the kind of restaurant you would ever build now. No, no, exactly, it's exactly. Not, it's either been around for forever, or it took all. It took the place of a place that had been there forever. Yeah, it's, yeah, and uh, yeah, you're right. And I, I was thinking when we were there, or I actually mentioned at least when I was there that when we were there together, that when you you and I were moving you, we drove by there and we thought it was on fire. Because there was all this smoke pouring out of it. And so we actually, like, yeah. we were driving by, and of course, we had this truck loaded with stuff, but, you know, we thought, oh my gosh, this place is on fire. So we, like, did a kind of a UE and then drove past it just to see what's going on. And then we realized that they had some sort of grill outside of the restaurant under this covered area. And it was just pouring with smoke that was just like billowing out. And it gave us this impression that the place was a, you know, a roaring blaze, but it was just, I guess they were. I don't know, grilling the lamb or they're doing something, I guess, to get ready for the day. I have no idea what, what it was, but we ended up just having to like, you know, make this kind of complicated turnaround and then head back in the direction we were supposed to go originally. But, but I guess our, our good Samaritan, that was, that was it, you know, for us for that day, we turned around, everything was fine and we left, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Stop for the fake fire. Stay for the meal. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's, that was the, that was your promotion at the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Come in and smell smoke. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, so, um, yeah, you're right. And then the, the people inside are really nice, like super friendly, like, uh, and then the, the cook who is off, often a waiter when we go there. So sometimes he's in the back cooking and the other times he's acting as, as a waiter. Uh, he brings like casual Friday to every day as the waiter. And so when we walked in and we said hello to the person, there's, there's like a guy sitting there. I don't know if he answers the phone or what he's just sitting there. We showed him. We showed him our uh, vaccine uh, passports, and he seemed interested in them, but not that interested in them. So not I, legally interested. Yeah, <laughs> he was legally interested in them. Yeah, I have. I just kind of felt like people went in there. Maybe there's other people there that weren't showing their passports. But I'm going to trust everyone. It's this was vaxxed, but but yeah. So then, the, but then the cook in the back was like, "Hey, how's it going?" So he recognized me anyway. That was nice. And oh, then uh, you know, so but like I say, we were nervous. I was nervous because, um, you know, really, I only go there and eat pizza. I don't think you've ever had the Greek food there. But Lisa really likes, like, chicken souvlaki, like Greek, Greek food. So this was where, this was what she was interested in. And so I was kind of on tenterhooks because I was like, oh, what if she doesn't like it if it's as bad? Because we never, I just, you know. And so uh, she ordered it, and it was really good. Oh, good. Like, it was really good. Like, really well made. Like, the, the chicken was super tender and really flavorful. And the potatoes are really good, and and they have like, like fresh tzatziki. Like it's like you can see the cucumber pieces in it. It's like it's. Oh, good. Yeah, it was really good. So I, I was just like like a sucker. I was just eating a piece of. I was eating pizza, so I felt like a dummy. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was good. Like I mean, I was eating. You know, she was letting me taste taste it while she was eating it because I was like, is it good? Is it good? Because um, I was a little, as I say, I was a little worried. But no, she really liked it a lot. She was really happy we went. What so. is it that you order that's the deep fried cheese? Oh, uh, the Saganaki. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I like that they give it it's the a pan. Cheese. It's a pan fried cheese, but yeah. Pan fried cheese. Very yeah. good. Uh, but I like that, you, you you know, you don't have to say, give me the pan fried cheese. You have a nice classy name for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, the Saganaki. Oh, look at this guy. Yeah. This guy knows his way around a Greek restaurant. Good oh. job. But when you and order you it, it, yeah. Boy. But when you order it, they're so happy that you ordered it. They're like, "Oh, that's the best!" Oh, you know the 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 uh, the waitress said um, the waitress slash owner of the restaurant. She she said um, she said, "Oh, we often make mistakes with the saganaki, so we can eat it in the back." So, <laughs> although I do remember one time when we went there, 
and this was when the cook was acting as our as our as our wait, wait, uh, server, and he he brought this Saganaki over, and of course, me being me, you know, you could like put a plate of dog shit in front of me, and I'm just gonna be like, well, I guess I gotta eat it. So he put down this Saganaki, and it was kind of burned looking, like it didn't look great, right? And he, he walked away, and I was kind of looking at it like, oh, dear. And then he turned around and came back again. He's like, you know what? I wouldn't need that if someone put it in front of me. He just took it away and he brought it to me a better one. So that was nice of him. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Smart move. Weird, weird move to, to present it to Presented you. Presented to me, yeah. I thought it was kind of strange. But I, uh, but you know what? But, you know, it's just one of those, like I say, if you if you like an eccentric restaurant, things like that are going to happen. So, you know, I'm all right with it. But it was good. It was fun. It was a good evening too. We had a lot of fun driving around and seeing everybody. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what always happens at that restaurant to me. Mm-hmm. This is it. Yeah. So whether it's you or and and me or like us and you know uh, you know this is like four or five of us, whatever. Yeah. This is this is the ordering around the table. Yeah. I'll order and the other people order, order and everyone else's order is just like, oh yeah, that's my favorite. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> You're really gonna enjoy that. And my thing. Okay. And then off. Never. I never. <laughs> The nod of like, that's a good choice. Never. Well, that's what you get for ordering porridge at a restaurant. Yeah, gruel, please. <laughs> can I get a water, please. Can I get a, can I get a plate of potatoes? Could you boil them? But could you only half boil them so they're a little bit raw inside? Yeah, can I get six minute potatoes? I really appreciate it. Thank you. Just, Just take them out before. Thank you. No, no, don't put any sauce on them. No. I can't believe they never ever compliment me on my orders. Could you make the sauce and then throw it in the garbage? I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Just throw it in the trash. Yeah, but really make it. I want you to make it and throw it in the trash. Thank you. I know it's a weird order, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Can I get the dressing on the side of another person's plate? Could you put it my dressing on his plate side at the next table and not tell him it's mine? Really appreciate it. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I can't believe can they, I, I can't coke? believe they don't compliment can I have, you. Can I have half coke, half gravy? Thank you. I know it's weird. Now can you throw that in the trash? Thank you. That's that's a that's a, my favorite character yet. Thanks. <laughs> I liked, you know, I liked good. Professor Caveman, but but <laughs> unusual order is that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Could you make the bread into a snowman? Thank you. I hope that's okay. Thank you. Could you make up a song about his origin story that isn't like Frosty the Snowman? Different origin <laughs> story, not a hat, something else. Doesn't have to come to life, but just want some backstory. Thank you. <laughs> really making demands now. Yeah. Yeasty the snowman. <laughs> nice. That's good. That's he good. Lie through the power of Buddha. Oh, that's interesting. That's that's his whole backstory. <laughs> I'm in a very small closet, Dave, and I might just be breathing my own air. <laughs> You're breathing something. Yeah. Is there, a, is there a car? Is there a running car parked outside? I've got I've got a similar I've got a similar uh, space around me to inside a chimney. So I feel very sandy. <laughs> you like the Grinch? You're, yep. Just don't try oh, to that did, don't get that st- did bug stuck me halfway the Grinch down. Thing and go through that tight space. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like when he's going down and then he get, gets kind of back like backed up so he's he's just folded in half. Oh. <laughs> if, yeah, if you have any fear of of tight spaces, that's going to get to you. What do you think the Who's would have done if they caught the Grinch? 
like stealing stuff. <laughs> like did just they, they found him and just caught him. Do you think the Who's have a legal system and could put him in jail, or are they just so trusting and good that it was just like meh, it's fine. Yeah, I think they just would have been like, okay. Let him go back to his mountain. Yeah. Poor yeah. guy. They're probably like, poor guy. <laughs> just feel sorry for him and not for themselves. And is he a different species than them? Or is that just what happens when you uh, kind of become a grump? Do you just like... No, he's, like, a, he's a Grinch. So he's a different species than them. They're who's and he's a Grinch. He's a different species. He's not a, okay. he's not a Grinch. Like he's, he's a, you know, we use the word Grinch now to describe a Grinch, but... You know, he is the original Grinch. There was no Grinch before that Grinch, so... But they're not saying he's a Grinch because of his behavior. They're saying he's a Grinch because that's of his species. Yes, exactly. So his parents were Grinches. His parents were Grinches, that's correct. But they're clearly dead. Well, you know, he seems fairly old. I don't know exactly how old he is, but... You get the feeling he's old. Yeah, that it could be. You know. Yeah. He's been watching these Who's for a long time. He's really, he's really miserable about it all. Right, and, and, and the Who's are... The same kind of who's is in uh, Horton Hears. I was just going to say, that's the weird thing about The Grinch Who Stole Christmas is that it's all taking place on a piece of pollen, right? Well, Because, you know, in Horton Hears a Who, he's hearing this microscopic world that no one else believes exists. Right. And so that's 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 where The Grinch also lives. Yeah, I think the Jim Carrey movie starts off with, like, all the who's are living in a snowflake. Oh, that's good. I like that. But I think in the original story in Horton Hears a Who, they're, like, they're, like, uh, on a piece of, like pollen dust. or something like a piece of dust or something yeah well in the, in the uh, animated thing it's boil that dust back boil that dust back <laughs> i think that they're going bezel nut rah rah bezel nut rah rah i don't know really what they're saying <laughs> no i boil them all to death and it's pretty intense yeah yeah i'm not a i'm not as big a fan of of those uh of that as i am of the grinch i think that's more kind of it's reaching whereas the grinch is like a really inspired i think it's kind of like charlie brown christmas it, Super inspired, you know, and then after that, it's just diminishing returns. It's the second and third donut after that. Well, the uh, Horton Hears a Who, is that also Chuck Jones? Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cause, because uh, it was such a big success. But I don't know what I... Yeah. I don't know if that was, like, the best follow-up. I guess I guess he... I don't know. I don't know. There's other good stories that they could have done. They could have done the Sneetches. Sneetches well, would have been good. The Did they do the Sneetches? Sneetches is an animated thing, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Sneetches, Sneetches was an animated, uh, yeah. It was, I believe, I believe the Sneetches, I'm going to look this up. Uh, but the Sneetches was part of uh, a group of stories. Oh, with like, the Lorax or with the, well, the Sneetches and other stories is is the book. So, like, it has yeah, that story. Cool. It has the one about the pants. They're just walking by themselves in the woods. I think that's in the same. Well, there's one, of course, that you would appreciate, right? Too Many Daves. Too many Daves. Yeah, that's a great one, obviously. I mean, I don't appreciate that there's too many Daves, but I appreciate that someone would be, be wise enough to name their, all their, their children all with the name Dave. Right, so, okay, so the um, doc, all right, what the special that had the Sneetches yep. was uh, was Dr. Seuss on the Loose. Okay. It came out in 1973. All right. Uh, sponsored by Nestle. Nestle makes the very best chocolate. Hosted, <laughs> hosted by Cat in the Hat, who does uh, three stories. Sneetches, yeah. the Zacks, and okay. Green Eggs and Ham. Huh. Green Eggs and Ham. Huh. I know it's a classic, but it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a reading primer. Like there's two di- there's two different kinds of Dr. Seuss books. One is like the story books, like The Grinch Who Stole Christmas or If If I Ran the Zoo and books like that. And then there's readers, which were like repetitive stories that were designed to help children learn to read. So Green Eggs and Ham 
you know, uses a limited vocabulary and repeats things over and over again so kids could learn, you know, to recognize these pronunciations of different words and things like that. You know, okay. so, so there's a series of books like that, Hop on Pop and and uh, Redfish, Bluefish, and, you know, those sort of books, which I do, I do enjoy. I, I enjoy the Redfish, Bluefish books more because they're they're not a linear story. They're more like episodic. So it's not, it's not a boring thing the same over and over again, you know? But yeah, they were designed. They're different because there's the they're just two different kinds of uh, intents. One is like to entertain, the other is to teach. So, so right. I, I remember as a you know as a dad reading books to the to the girls. Although then they loved Green Eggs and Ham, and I would you know I'd always read it to them. Personally, as as the person experiencing the story for the four hundredth time, I found it very boring. But whereas something like you know if I if I ran the zoo or if I ran the circus, I think my favorite was if I ran the circus of those two, but um, one of those kind of books oh, were nice. more it was a bigger book. It felt like more, it felt like something special. Well, yeah. I mean, it was just like a series of different little, little uh, episodes and things, you know, like, a, and that's kind of fun. And if I ran the circus had this re- repeating motif where there is this man who this boy in his imagination kept involving in more and more outlandish circus acts, you know, until he's starting to resent all the, <laughs> and it's quite good because he's, you know, he's a sort of hapless victim of all this, of this kid's imagination. And it's quite fun. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Like things like the sleep book or the Sneetches and other stories, like those are way more fun to read than, than Green Eggs and Ham. Well, the, uh, I mean, they're very heavy message, uh, story. First of all, let me, let me just ask you this real quick. Sure. Just to, uh, we can get into the, the actual stories themselves. But there's a, two interesting bits of trivia. Okay. Uh, one, uh, who played the cat in the hat? In uh, and it was also the same person that played the cat in the hat in the special, the cat in the hat. It's a famous comedic singer. A famous comedic singer. Or at least known for doing a comedy song. That's what I'd say this person was best known for doing. Who was the voice of the cat in the hat? Famous comedic singer. Yeah, or at least you know known for this com- like a comedy song, especially. What? I don't know. You tell you tell me. I will tell you that it's Alan Sherman. Oh, Alan Sherman. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, he that. was a comedy singer. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, uh, so of course they had Hans uh, Conrad, of course, because you know you got to. What are you going to do? Great voice. Uh, of course, but here is it. Here is something that's kind of uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. At least I find this interesting. Okay. And we'll get back to the other. Let's thing. find out. Is, uh, one of the other voices was Paul Winchell. Okay. You know, who was a famous uh, ventriloquist, a, co- a comedian. Uh, but and it was on uh, like every TV show in the world. He was also the voice of Tigger. He was oh, okay. The voice of Dastardly. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, and Gargamel. Uh, but here's the thing. He was also an inventor. Let me ask you this bit of trivia. Sure. He uh, he uh, created a replacement body part. Really? Yes, in 1963, he created a replacement body part. First person to build and patent yeah. this artificial body part. Yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, it, it was a it was a it was a huge deal. He had medical training and he invented this oh, thing. Oh wow! Huh. So, what body part would you say, uh, Paul Winchell, famous for being Gargamel? Yes. And Tigger. <laughs> okay. Invented a body part. Yeah. That's a body part that uh, got put in people's bodies. Sure. Uh, what, what do you think the body part was? Uh, he invented the replacement nose. Nope. Oh. He was the first person to build and patent a mechanical artificial heart. What? Really? Tigger invented <laughs> the artificial heart. Yes. Dastardly invented <laughs> the artificial heart. Yeah. Gargamel... 
when he was not trying to kill the Smurfs <laughs> with saving lives with an artificial heart. Wow, that is uh, that's amazing. And also, he's a very, very, very famous ventriloquist. I don't remember him as a ventriloquist. With Jerry Mahoney, his most famous puppet. Wave. If you saw Jerry Mahoney, you'd go, oh, yeah, I know that puppet. That's Jerry Mahoney. I po- probably would, yeah. And Knucklehead Smith. <laughs> I don't remember Knucklehead Smith. I guess... I guess Jerry Mahoney was the smart aleck, and Knucklehead was the sort of the Mortimer snurd, the the dum dum character. Yeah, he was also Mo in the Robotic Stooges. And he invented the artificial heart. <laughs> Let's come back around to that. Let's forget about that robotic oh Mo. Oh my gosh! Wow, this is so crazy. That is nuts. It's kind of like Hedy Lamarr being involved in inventing sonar. Yeah. It's so weird, like. What? Of course, Eddie Elbert invented the dipping bird, but I guess that's not quite as impressive. No, it's not as, good, as impressive as the artificial heart. <laughs> it's not. Or the okay. sonar. Yeah. So in Dr. Seuss on the Loose, which uh, was 1973. Yeah, I don't remember the um, Zacks. That's, that's the question I really have. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, I was going to say all three of these stories are definitely message stories. Mm. Like the speeches is about, you know, some have stars on their bellies. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and then uh, and Green Eggs and Ham is like, hey, try it. You like it. Why are you not trying the thing? Even yeah. though it's kind of flipped nowadays to the point where just like, no means no. All right, look, the guy's you know, then uh, don't force a guy to eat ham if he doesn't. And if he doesn't want to eat green ham, he's probably right. That's probably not the best. But the Zach story is, uh, you know, two animals, you know, are trying to make their way across a bridge. And uh, one's going north, one's going south. And they go, and neither will budge, and oh. so no one leaves for forever, and they just keep building uh, a, a highway overpass is built around <laughs> them, and they never leave, yeah. and that's the end of that story. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. They do remember that. Stubborn, and so uh, there you go. That's the price. The price you pay for stubbornness is that. Sure, sure. So it's all about prejudice, and it's all about you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, stub- stubbornness. Try it, you like it. It's all very strong moral lessons. Well, there's a reason, there's a lot like that, like Yertle the Turtle and the Lorax, obviously. And the Lorax, for sure, yeah. He speaks for the trees. Mm-hmm. Someone has to. And apparently that. there's a running gag in Green Eggs and Ham of a fox hunting party with a pack of hounds. And every time the word fox gets mentioned, <laughs> yeah. there's a cross over there and you see that. Yeah, I don't really remember it uh, that well, that one. It didn't get all the play. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. so is that also a Chuck Jones joint? Uh, no, Frizz Freeling. Oh, okay. Well, typical Frizz Freeling, just coming in to mop up the, uh, to the mop of exercises. Yeah, just coming in. You invented the, uh, you invented Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner. I'll come in and just run into the ground. Yep. Because I'm Frizz Freeling. See if Hans Conrad is, uh, is free. He is? Okay, bring him in. (laughs) Yeah. What a great voice that guy had. Didn't he? Yeah. Very impressive. I like him a lot in, uh, speaking of Dr. Seuss, in the, the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. He's very good in that. I think yeah. it's 10,000. Is it 10,000? You know what? I just, I just, I feel like that's too many fingers. So I, you under, I think you undercut it. I undersold it a little oh, bit. Right, 5,000. My mistake. Oh, was it 5,000? You're right. 5,000 uh, is absolutely correct. It, you know, it flows better. <laughs> yeah, it does. You're, you're, you're not wrong, and I apologize. <laughs> that's all right. That's a, that's a, that's a very odd movie. I saw oh, it as, it's a very odd movie. I saw it as a kid, and I, even as a kid, I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> the situation at the end where like they all have huge bellies, and it looks especially weird because a lot of them are girls, 
And so it looks like for some reason all these children that were playing the piano just turn around, all these girls are now pregnant. Because it just looks like that. It's very bizarre. <laughs> I don't remember that now. I just remember like yeah. the, the sets and things and how empty the movie feels. Like it's I guess it's full of like this big empty like they they had more they had enough money for sets, but they couldn't afford to pay people to populate them after they built all this elaborate stuff. It's, I mean, it's interesting like when a, a an author is so popular that he can write something completely crazy and the studio still makes it. I guess they're like, well, Green Eggs and Ham was crazy and that's super popular, so let's just make it. See what happens, I guess. It's yeah, it did. It didn't do that well. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. No. Uh. Yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 bizarre. And uh, and but but you know it's got a uh, it's seventy nine percent positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So whatever that means. <laughs> well, I think you know if you saw it as a kid, it, you do have like fond memories of it because it's just so wacky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I like uh, I like this one description. It's a real disturbing, strong meat for young stomachs. <laughs> well, it's another message movie, isn't it? I mean, it's the whole kind of cult cult element of the of the school and everything, with the hat yeah, with the fingers. Uh, from Baltimore City Paper. Okay. Refreshingly tart and defiant for a children's film, it's space age by way of uh, Cagliari. Uh, <laughs> a world parks right on the delicious side of creepy. Bring the kids, especially the smart ones. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also another review. Probably the best uh, children's fantasy film ever made by Hollywood, even uh, if it's rambling. <laughs> Better than Wizard of Oz, that doesn't really make sense, but okay, sure, whatever. You think that's a children's film? Wizard of Oz? I guess it, yeah, I guess it is. I yeah. think it is. So. Sure. All right. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's something adults can enjoy, involved. but yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Again, I'm just, uh, I'm just for, for the rest of this episode, I'm just going to be thinking, ah, Gargamel invented the artificial heart. That's all. <laughs> that's, all this, that's, what I, that's what I learned today. That's brought all the value you want to to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. It's something we haven't really talked very much about the fact that my choir restarted. Like I've been singing it in choir yes. since September. Um, yeah, I didn't really. I kept meaning to bring it up that I'd gone back to the gym and that I was uh, singing with choir again. And uh, but we sing with masks on. Okay. We, we rehearse with we rehearse with masks on, and we sing with masks on at church. Halloween masks, creepy Halloween. That's masks. right. Yeah, I have a. In, I have an. In, I'll think something horrible was going. Yeah, on. I wear an inside-out James James Kirk mask, <laughs> Captain Kirk mask. Um, but um, the the uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen because everything was kind of gearing up to to Christmas. You know, like right. we started having more and more people coming to church, like more and more people comfortable with coming there. You know, even you know, like everyone wears masks at, at the church, so you know, we're all masked up. But but it. You know, just feel felt like we're kind of gearing up towards Christmas. More and more people are coming, and now, I, now I don't know what's going to happen on Mon- on or tomorrow night because just because we've had this, you know, closure, the shutdown, the you know, they closed the gyms, they've they've halved yeah. theater capacities, they've they've uh, recommended that we limit our togetherness over Christmas, and and it's understandable, you know, and I kind of figured it was going to happen just because, you know, like it's just sort of more preemptive than anything, just trying to like. Uh, trying to like soften the post Christmas blow when <laughs> suddenly everybody's sick because they've all been hanging around with each other and celebrating without due care and attention. So, but um, yeah, it's too bad because 
it would have been nice to like i say it was sort of building up again to like having a lot of people even though we can't we still have to limit the amount of people who can come to the church like right. we can't we can't have like we can't have full capacity so we have to have like i think we can sit, seat like 300 people at our church but I, we'd have to have, do much less than that i think we're limited to 50 people um yeah it's such a it's such a weird one in that it's you know it is it, the symptoms or you know the symptoms are less yeah less impactful but yeah. it's way easier yeah so it's like uh yeah this is this uh just, it's such it's so confusing like obviously you've got a you've got a yeah thing we shut down a whole bunch of stuff this week too that you know we were gonna do mm-hmm. uh i'm still i'm still uh having uh my sister-in-law my brother-in-law and uh my niece and nephew uh this um because we're we're and within the amount of and your, and your sister i assume What's that? And your sister, I assume. Like my my sis, my sister-in-law. You're talking about. You said well, you said sister-in-law, but you didn't. And then you said your brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, I my sister. That's right. <laughs> yes. Okay. I just wondered if I thought it was it's Leo. No, you're, Wade? Doing the, you're doing all the math correctly. There's a lot. Of <laughs> okay. Stuff okay. <laughs> that's fine. Um. But uh, yeah, and so you know we got that going on. But again, it feels like should we? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just ah. But then it feels like such a horrible thing to do to not yeah and it's like shit what there's no there's no friggin win here you know yeah yeah like i'm i'm comfortable with the girls coming over Mm -hmm. because you know mary works in healthcare. you know she's she gets tested a lot it's you know they're very they're very uh very um careful to be masked up and and you know to be Washing their hands and everything where she works, and then Eve, similar situation. She's in day, she has daycare with little kids, so you know they have to have a lot of washing of hands and mask wearing and stuff to keep the kids safe. Because a lot of them are, you know, at pre pre vaccine age, so you want to be careful. So I'm not too worried about that. But my my sister in law and brother in law are having a Christmas Eve get together, and that's you know, with a lot of people that we don't see very often, and I have no idea where they stand on on all these things, and and. Uh, I'm less comfortable with that situation, but at the same time, I'm so tired. You know, it's just the thing of like, you know, like someone telling you, you know, there's a big, there's a big bear in the woods. So I know you're staying here in the woods, but so be really careful of this big bear. And you're like, okay. So now you're thinking about this big bear, and you're like putting your food away in containers, and you're hanging them up in the tree, and you're being very careful, like that you, you know, that you make a lot of noise when you're going through the woods. And then you know, after two weeks, you're kind of like, where, what bear? <laughs> You start getting kind of tired of like, ah, I'm just going to stop putting my food in the tree. I'll just put it on the ground because obviously there's no bear around here. And, you know, I just feel like it's sort of reaching this point of like, I'm just tired of this bear. Yeah. I, you know, I get it. I'll wear my, I'll wear my bear mask, but that's all. <laughs> the rest of it, right. I don't care. I want to go to the gym. I don't want to not go to the gym. Please keep the gyms open. We're not going to open the gyms. Ah, come on. Everyone's careful. Like the, but they're know, not, they're not fucking careful. They're not. That's bullshit. Yeah. Total bullshit. It's like I I go swim I was swimming like every day yeah and and I'd be swimming I'd be like okay here we go and you're supposed to do certain things you know like yeah. you're supposed to like actually wear the mask if you like walk from like the pool to the sauna or to the pool to the hot tub or whatever no yeah. one does is that right and then, no. yeah. then when you're in the sauna like I I will go in the sauna I'll go in the sauna with a mask and there's people in there you know with no mask and they're just doing this. <sighs> <laughs> And it's just like, no, and no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. And I look in, they got the little gym space that they got there. 
and you see people in there, and yeah, they're pulling their masks down, and they're no, they're not, they're not. Like I wish, I wish that it was trustworthy. Yeah, you know, I wish, I wish the honor system was working, but I'm like just seeing it every goddamn time, and this is like, oh my god, or even the buses. Like there's people just with no masks on the buses, or just like you know, they just pull their masks down. There you go, just fuck it. And it's like okay. <laughs> The thing is, the freaking virus doesn't care if you're tired. That's the problem. Yeah. Goddamn problem. But I understand where you're coming from. I get, I got that frustration. I'm yeah. like right now going like, well, now I can't swim anymore. Mm-hmm. So what the hell am I going to do? And I can't really go for long walks because I can't bus back because I don't trust the fucking buses. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. God damn it. I can't, you know, the last time this happened, I really fucked up my health. And yeah. it's like, damn it. What do I do? And yet, you know. Well. Ugh. It's only supposed to be till January 15th, so hopefully it'll... Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Well, we also had the thing where, you know, after we saw... We went to see Spider-Man, uh, and then, you know, um, one of the people we were with uh, was having some problems with breathing, and it was, like, symptoms that were comparable to, basically, you know, how women have heart attacks. Okay. And so, you know, it was like, mm, there's enough things here that this is worth checking out sure, so sure we went to the uh, emergency uh and we're there for six hours mm-hmm. you know as, as everything was getting checked out and long story short well not even long story short. okay the the, the the cut to the chase of this story sure. is you know fine checked everything got a cat scan and everything you know they wanted to be double double sure that like there was no blood clots or anything going on so yeah you know it was all this stuff all these tests were done and, uh, and it was okay. But in the meantime, you know, uh, I'm in the waiting room with people who are like, they won't wear masks. Yeah. You know, and they're there because they're sick. And a guy came in who was shirtless and was, you know, uh, somewhat violent and was a, was a real mess. And uh, the person who we were there to get tested, uh, there was a person with COVID in the room next to her. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, that could be that maybe. You know, so it's been, you know, uh, looking, you know, it's it's supposed to like kick in in like, you know, three to five days. And you're like, okay, so every day that you've got a little, <clears throat> I'm like, okay, is that it? Is that it? Is that it? Mm-hmm. Is that it? I got a headache. Is that it? Is this a thing? Because <laughs> it's mild symptoms, huh? How mild? What's mild? What's this? What's that? And it's like, son of a bitch. Yeah. And we had a, by the way, we had another fun thing, which was after we got the, oh, nothing, nothing. Uh, this uh, then the person who that was going through this um, got a, a phone call uh, from you know their uh, family doctor saying oh yeah I saw this so uh, we should ta- we should talk over your test results I'm like oh that sounds like that might be something so uh, there's a lot of trying to contact and um, and uh, the contact at the clinic and the clinic went oh we'll uh, we'll book you appointment. Uh, near the end of January, it's like, oh, this sounded okay. That's fine, but like, <laughs> sounded a little more, like, yeah, yeah. Well, but the thing is, like, this sounded like it could have been urgent. Yeah, you know, yeah. see if, if it is, you know. And then the uh, receptionist, uh, well, let me look at your charts. And then there's a pause. I'm just gonna go talk to a doctor for a second. And then came back. Yeah, it's it's urgent. We should. Uh, uh, could you come in like tomorrow? And uh, well, could I talk to a doctor today because? what you just said is freaking me out. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, we could probably get the doctor to talk to you. Uh, yeah. Five, five thirty today, which is in a couple of hours. Yeah. So it was yeah. like a nice long bunch of hours for that. So then the, you get the phone call from the doctor and the doctors. Yeah, everything's fine. 
there we go. So we got another thing that was everything's fine. <laughs> I guess that's good. Yeah. But it's the kind of good that I'm like, I can't take much more of this. You know, I can't take the, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, of course, this is the, the big problem is like, there's for everything that you're going through, there's someone who's gone through something much worse much, much, much worse. I know people who have had COVID and it's just been devastating. And I know people mm-hmm. who have lost people to COVID and it's been devastating. So it's very difficult to complain about the good news or to complain <laughs> about, you know, something that's going on in your life uh, where it's been affected or you've lost work or you've done this or that because there's someone who's, you know, had to had worse. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you're right. You want to go to the gym. I understand. 100%. It's part of your mental health. I get it. I 100% get it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and how this this just grinds you down, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just you know, like here it's nice that it's nice that my work is essential and I get to go to work. But you know, I don't I don't live to go to work every day. <laughs> like it's not it's not my favorite thing in the world. I mean, I don't mind it, but uh, like I go in with a smile. But I don't. Uh, it's not you know, I'm not like getting up in the morning going five o'clock in the morning. Hooray! Oh, another great day at work. Lucky me. No, I'm I'm at work, you know, and I make the best of it, and then I go home. So, you know, and you're like, oh, it'd be nice to be able to do something, have some leisure time, you know, it's not just us sitting watching television, because there's not much else you can do right now, you know, like, like you say, you know, you'd like to go to the movies, but, you know, it doesn't seem super safe. Um, I feel, you know, I, I understand what you're saying about the, where you're going, like the community center you're going to. I felt like at the gym that I go to that... For the most part, I mean, obviously, there are people who are, you know, they're not being careful. You yeah, know, I mean, they're doing their thing. thing. You might have a very different experience, absolutely. They, they're, they're doing their own thing, and you're just kind of like, ugh. But most, you know, the gym was pretty clear about what, what was expected, and a lot, you know, a lot of the people were being careful. And also, you know, because it, it's a, uh, I can choose the time I go, I would tend to go at like 11, 11.30 at night. And so it was basically me and maybe two other people. You know, so then I, you feel really fine because everyone's so far away from each other that it's just not, you just don't feel like it's a big, a big worry. And, you know, I'm wearing my mask when I'm, I'll often wear the mask when I'm at, at machines anyway. Like I just don't bother taking it off. Uh, you know, once it's there, you just, you just, you're just fine with it. You know, I don't like wearing it when I'm on the treadmill or on the elliptical trainer, but because you're breathing more heavily and it's just harder, harder to, to wear it. But, um, and also you're sweating a lot. <laughs> so it's gross to wear it. But, uh, you know, when you're just on the machines, it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, there are people who are making it, making it hard. And then of course there's people who are making it really hard by not, by not helping. And it's not just, but it's not just them. I mean, you know, we're getting these variants in places because, you know, the Western na- nations aren't sharing the vaccines with the with with the, the developing world so you know those countries are under vaccinated and so it's a free-for-all in a lot of cases and that's where you're going to get mutations and that's where you're going to get these variants you know we've had two of them one from south africa which is a country that's uh, you know uh having trouble you know fighting fighting covid and then the delta from india where you know it's just a big giant uh huge pop you know hugely populous country very very hot, very close together, and uh, yeah. Oh well. Yeah, the hope now. The hope now is that the cases are dropping in South Africa. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's an end of a surge. Maybe you know, you you take your hope where you take your hope. It's it's tough as well, like you know, because of especially Christmas time. 
you know, you're, you're emotionally up there anyway, <laughs> you know, so you're very sensitive to this kind of stuff now, especially. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. And so, and then you're out, you know, let's do some shopping. Let's go to the mall. Oh, good God. What the hell? <laughs> uh, come on. Come on. Yeah. So I was at gravel market today Yeah. and people were genuinely like, you know, seemed to be sensible. Like people were all, okay. All right, we all know we get it, right? Yeah. We're all getting it. Okay, yeah. let's be careful. We're all being careful. Everyone's being careful. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, good, good, good. All right, that was that was all yeah. right. Yeah. Well, where I was, I did go shopping. Not, I went shopping a couple of weeks ago. Went to like my Christmas shopping and a big giant, you know, one big swoop went into the stores and just you know bought everything that I wanted and just about broke my arm. In fact, the next day, work one of the guys at work said, "Dave, you're looking so." Uh, you're looking so ripped, man. You must be going to the gym. I said, no, I was Christmas shopping yesterday. I was just carrying all these bags. My, my arms are like, my arms are per- permanently flexed, you know. But, uh, you know, while I was there, like, everyone was wearing masks. But I think they won't let people in the, in the mall if they're not wearing masks. So, you know, there's a lot of stories yeah, that demand them. Yeah, once people are in the mall, they'll do the, uh, the, the below the nose I hate, bit, I hate that. Is- That's just the worst. But, yeah. yeah, I didn't really see much of that either. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, I guess it depends where you are, I suppose. How people are taking yeah, and there's some people, of course, who are actively, defi- you know, and they're actively, you know, yeah. throw me out of here. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. make a scene. Yeah. Those, those, those types. It's, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's important to remember who they are. <laughs> it's just for, for later, it's like, well, you're the kind of person who's not very trustworthy. Okay. Know this. It's, yeah, I was. It's weird. There's a. Let's go ahead, please. Oh, I was going to say, I was at the white spot in, in Chilliwack and, uh, yeah, got a person came in, and when they asked to see his vaccination card, he he loudly left the the restaurant. Yeah, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, these they're legally retired, retired. They're legally required to to demand this of you. Like, they're not just going to let it slide by. Are legally retired as well. That's yeah, yeah. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm kicking you out. Yeah, a person without without having vaccination. That's who you are. Get out of here. But anyway, we're going to say sorry. Oh no! I was uh, on a conflict. It was it was a it was another note where <laughs> just people that you're some somewhat disappointed in. Occasionally you'll you'll I'll, I'll see someone who's like a comedian who's like kind of an anti-vax or whatever, and just mm. go, "What are you thinking? What are you thinking?" <laughs> and there was a good. Uh, did I t- talk to you about this, or am I? It's just something that interested me, so I may have like discussed this, you know, either with you in person or whatever. But it was like uh, if, you, if you did, I'll the- rudely interrupt you. Okay, it was Jim Gaffigan on the Conan O'Brien podcast. Okay. was talking about how, you know, why do so many comedians seem to, you know, take these, you know, uh, weird points of view, you know, that's, that are just like, hmm. Yeah, but know, I mean, that's that's in their nature to question things. That's so. the thing. It's like they've got the contrarian nature. Yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, well, let's flip it. So They're... what if <laughs> okay, you're told police are good, yeah. what if police are bad? What if you know? What if the well, the government's not on yeah. your side? Well, that's what it. If, if you if you don't have some amount of oppositional defiance disorder in you as a comedian, then what what good are you? You know, right? I mean, I remember uh, there was like a let's uh, again Louis C.K. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a Louis C.K. bit yeah. that he had about pedophilia. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and and I looked at it as kind of a classic bit of you know this type of comedy, which is you know him talking about how it must be great. Because otherwise, why would people do it when the consequences are so high? Yeah. Can you imagine how good it must? And it was just like, oh, this is disturbing. But it's like, yeah, you take the contrarian point of view, yeah. and then like, yeah. just where is it going to go? And you, you 
you play with it, you exaggerate it, you, you, you know, you, you extrapolate on it and it's like, and yeah, you get like a, a big routine out of it. Mm-hmm. But then I think if somehow you get say a podcast and then, and then in the middle of that, someone's going, you're right. It is great. And I'm like, <laughs> hmm. okay. Uh, anyway, it's like, no, he's right. Let's follow him. And then whatever horrible point of view you've got, you know, uh, they go, yeah, it's kind of rewarding. I like the rewards of laughter, but I also like the rewards of someone saying I'm right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then all of a sudden you kind of feed on that and then you've got a real shitty point of view. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and you're constantly getting that nice dopamine hit of approval. <laughs> and then you're also feeling like you're the rebel. And the rebel is what you want it to be, right? Don't you want to be that rebel comic? You want to be Lenny Bruce? Don't you want the police like coming after you and like you're you're dangerous? People think you're dangerous. And it's like, yeah, you know what else is dangerous? An arsonist. They're also dangerous. <laughs> Do you want to be an arsonist? No. But you know, it's it's a good feeling if you if you've got that, you know. Well, in the way they do, because they want to burn down, you know, inst- you know, social institutions or whatever. You know, that's part of what they're they're you know, part of their, their thing is this idea of, you know, that we got to get rid of these things that are, you know, whatever, whatever I disagree with, we'll, we'll get rid of it, you know? Yeah. Like there's a comedian, uh, there's a guy who come the actor, like Jay uh, Johnston, uh, who's in uh, Mr. Show. Okay. And, you know, you'd recognize him to see him and, you know, friend of all, all those folks. And I, I I love that show and that community. Yeah. And he went to the January 6th, you know, attack on the Capitol. Okay there it looks like him it's yeah. like uh you know there's pictures that look just like him and friends of his have gone yeah he said he went mm. um and it's just like what gets a guy like that to go to that <laughs> it's just like you think like there's a bit of me that thinks like don't you get that out of your system with what you do like it feels like you're already being seen you yeah. don't need like I see another person who's like, I've got no impact in the world, so I need to feel something. And I'm going to go do this, but like, geez, Louise, <laughs> so it's so crushingly disappointing when you see what feels like one of your tribe, uh, you know, does that kind of thing. It's like if a, when a when a comic book writer, you know, starts being really, you know, like that. It's like, ooh, what are you doing? What's, no, stop it, knock it off. Like, what's wrong with you? Uh, ooh. Especially gross to me. And like same with a comedian. It's like, no, stop it. But there they are. Well, yeah, I mean, my uh my I was my aunt, she's not really an aunt, but she's a close friend of my mum. My mom I was talking to my mom the other day and she was telling me that, that my aunt is now uh, a believer in like the whole COVID uh hoax thing and uh, and my mom's like, uh, I just don't understand like why she would I'm just like Facebook. I don't know why you Facebook, mom. <laughs> it's all Facebook. It's all it's all what it's about. Is you end up in this weird rabbit hole of uh, it starts confirming, you know, and then you feel like. And she wanted my mom to watch this 18-hour YouTube video about about COVID, about the COVID hoax. My mom's like, 18 hours. <laughs> what kind of time do you think I have? I'm, you know, I'm in my 80s. I'm gonna die soon. I don't have 18 hours to watch this nonsense. But, uh, yeah, this is crazy. Here, watch this 18-hour video, and I'll tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. What, is, what kind of sales pitch is that? I'm having trouble getting through Get Back. <laughs> I like that. That's right. How about 18 hours of gobbledygook explaining the, the, the COVID hey, hoax? Don't think this is all a hoax. Ooh, <laughs> If the vaccinations work, then why is it still going on? Yeah, you're right. Shouldn't be going on if the vaccinations work. That's why I'm not vaccinated. Good for you. 
Yeah, this seems so disappointing though. When submarine and breathe on each other, it just feels like the way it's one thing for celebrities or other ding dongs to to believe this stuff, but when it's your like someone you know, you're just like, ugh. Like, how do you reconcile that with your idea of who they are as a person? You know, like, you know now you're a sucker. So I want to see a band called the Ding Dongs. Now that you mention that, <laughs> Ding Dong. There must be. That's my current favorite put down. Yeah, Ding Dong. Yeah, you Ding Dong. Yeah, mine is a. Well, you're a silly goose. <laughs> that's, that's very nice. That's also, yeah, yeah. And then, and then if they respond uh, again to that, it's like just say honk. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, last night we were driving in a roundabout, going going when we were coming into town, and the person in front of us stopped in the middle of the roundabout to let another car go into the roundabout. Uh, at which point I I honked at him and I said to Lisa, "What a ding dong!" So <laughs> we we passed him on the freeway, and he was a he was an an old man, so I guess he he didn't quite understand how roundabouts work. So. Old man, you're a ding dong. <laughs> you're a lot like me now. He, and then you kind of, then you merge that into the song Roundabout. <laughs> do 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 do. Um, yeah, I was just hoping. I just in my I said to Lisa, I just hope that he says to someone, "Well, I stopped to let someone into the roundabout, and this person behind me honked." And then the person goes, "Well, of course they honked because you shouldn't be stopping in the roundabout. You don't. No. Well, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> this is right. I mean, that's the thing. Well, that is true because you know, for like, I guess." like young people who are like now just learning to drive and are taking their, their, their end tests and stuff like that, or they're getting their learner's license. They're, they're learning about roundabouts, but for my generation who never had roundabouts until recently, we don't know how to use them. I know how to use them because I've been to England. England. That's the thing. That's where you learn the mm-hmm. hard way. That's how you learn the right way. You throw you deep into the water on the roundabout. <laughs> that's right. You just, Sink or swim. Uh, here, here, take the magic roundabout. You know, seven roundabouts in a row. Try that for try, try that for size. But but yeah, like so. You know, we're all these people like never used a roundabout before. So our our you know tr- traditionally we had either you have stoplights or in rural areas like where I live, it's just four way stops. You know, mm. so you everyone stops and you go when when it's your turn. And so people are like approaching the roundabouts. They're like, well, I guess this is just a fancy four way stop. So then they stop. And then you're behind them and you're like, get going, beep. <laughs> why are you stopping here? And then they're like, well, what do you do? Like, I just imagine inside their heads are like, why is this person honking at me? I Just stopping. It's a four-way stop, isn't it? No, it's not a four-way stop. Honk. Keep going. It's, it's you know, like, it's hard to teach people with a horn, but you know, like you're just trying to like, at least let them know. Like, this is not safe for you to stop because people behind you don't know what you're doing. Like everyone expects you to go. Like when that man stopped in the middle of the roundabout, like, you know, it's lucky I was, I was watching him and sort of expecting him to do something stupid because I'd been following him for a while and I, I could see quite clearly that he was a horrible driver. Also, I could smell marijuana, so I thought he was smoking marijuana while driving, which seemed, doesn't seem safe to me, but whatever. That's not a thing to do. No, and so, um, he, uh, you know, so when he did something Unless dumb, I was kind of like, oh, well, cool. you better be really cool. You gotta be really cool, yeah, yeah. Not not like an old Santa Claus driving in a driving an old rickety truck. But, but when he when he when he uh, and so he thought I kind of expected it, so I didn't like smash in the back of his truck. But you know, if you don't know that, like you know, like it's not you know when people do things that are completely not what you're supposed to do, it's just, it's hard to anticipate that. You know, so yeah, it's very frustrating. And then the other frustrating thing is like no one signals in them, like no one signals that they're leaving the roundabout. So when you're in the roundabout and you're waiting for your turn to go. People, you know, who maybe are going to turn off in front of you, 
you know, and not go around, you know, go keep in the roundabout and go past you. They don't signal they're doing that. So you're watching and you're going like, I guess this person's going to go through. And no, he turned. Oh, I could have, I could have gone, but no, I can't because the person behind them is, you know, so it's just really, it's a, it's just a mess. Like Canadians, we don't, you know, we obviously, we think that turn signals are, are gold. And so we don't want to waste them by telling people what we're doing. And, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned last episode that they have a terrible name anyway calling them turn signals because that's not what they are they're indicators they're ah. they're indicators of intention you know like if you ask people what are turning signals for they're for turning are they don't people use them when they're pulling over to the side of the road they put on their turn they put on their turn signal to turn to switch, drive over to the side of the road or you know if you're taking like a, a fork you're not really turning you're just going off in a branch but you should you'll use your tur- your your uh turning indicator to indicate your lead you're going that direction like you know it's just it's a bad name for a you know it's a bad name but anyway it's a it's a it's a losing battle. I'll never win it. You know, I'll never win. I think it. you just gave me an idea for our question of the week. So, but I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you're welcome. You know, can, can that be my question of the week? Do I have to sing for another one myself? Oh, damn it! No, no. Your Christmas gift is you don't have to come up with one. <laughs> well, thanks. It's the greatest gift of all. <laughs> it's the greatest gift. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate greatest that. gift of all. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think if we took the gift part out of Christmas, it would be a better holiday? Um, no. There's a lot of pressure with gifts. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, well, get together with your family and yeah. friends, have a nice meal, and put up a nice tree, and <laughs> sing songs, and do all the other shit, yeah. but don't have to do the gifts, uh, that it would just be like, hey, this is a pretty great holiday. Well, I, th- no, I don't, I, I, th- I don't think that, but I do think that, actually, I saw a little, you know, when I, when I turn on my, my browser, and click on, like, the home thing, and to take me to the Google screen to... To search for something, I'll get like a selection of, of articles that I could possibly want to read, uh, and one of them I didn't read it, but it was like, um, "Let's stop giving adults gifts for Christmas." And I was thinking, oh. I was thinking, well, oh, that's not a bad that's not a bad way to look at it. Like, like I don't buy presents for my mom and dad. They they don't need gifts from me. They don't need gifts from anybody. They're like they should be getting rid of stuff, not adding more. You know, mm-hmm. like they don't need gifts from me, and. Uh, yeah, I just, I do think, I do think we put too much pressure on our, on our, on ourselves nowadays. Like, like I, I don't know. I didn't experience Christmas in the past, only, only as a kid, you know? So I don't know, I don't know what, but it seems to me like that adults used to have more fun at Christmas than they, than, than they do now. You know, like people had like real Christmas parties, you know, like works had real Christmas parties where people like, because drinking was more accepted. Well, because yeah, they could they could drink and then they would dance and there was things that there were like fun things to do, like not like it's nowadays. It's blowing off steam. I don't know if it's necessarily better because I think because <laughs> I, I think it was a reaction to you know the repression that they're feeling for the rest of the time. And so when you get that one little window where you yeah. can like go, then woohoo! You know, it's 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 that thing. Uh, I guess, um, but I mean, I remember like when I used to work in the parking lots and I remember like companies having big big uh dinners and stuff like that in the hotels you know you know like ikea or whatever and all their employees would be there or the people who wanted to come and and even my own company would have like a big christmas celebration and they would give away you know vcrs or dvd players and things like that depending you know that just aging myself there but you know like they would have like giveaways and little prizes and and you know there's a dinner and you get and you know like it just feels like like that's just you know like it's it's just become like this incredibly like celebration of like pinterest pages and things of like that and not and not just like having fun you mm-hmm. know like like we just have to i think people just have to like learn to to stop sweating the small stuff you know and just just have fun with it like 
no one cares. No one cares about the gifts and things. I mean, they care about the gifts, but I mean, no, like, no one's going to be mad at you or, or is judging you or, you know? And if they are, yeah, then well, you then get out of there. Like if people people are, people yeah. are mad at you because of the gifts you gave them, like leave, like get out of that yeah. situation because you're in a terrible I situation. Mean, the gifts are it, it's a bad situation when it becomes something where you know the gifts are the way that you express that you love someone or that you know someone. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It's like and it's like well, what do I and you know <laughs> first of all, you go like I don't know what they want or what they need. Yeah. Or yeah. but the, also that they don't have. Yeah. It's like they really like this. So they've got that already. <laughs> you know, they really love riding a bike. Great. Then they've got a bike. You know, they've got that. They well, that, that, that yeah, and that's why it. it's that's why it's hard to buy for adults because, you know, we are self-sufficient and we can we can buy things on our own. Kids don't have that. You know, kids kids just can't go to the store and buy their big gym doll, you know, whatever. They their stretch Armstrong doll. No, they they dream about getting one. Because they can't, they don't have access to those things. You know, they look through their 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 Christmas wish book, you know, their Sears catalog or whatever, and page forth over the toy pages because you know it's all cool and you can't get it. You know, yeah. And you only have like one one or two chances a year to get those things: your birthday or Christmas. Those are your two op- the two opportunities to get something cool in your life. You know, so you know that's that's pretty fun. And kids are easy to buy for too. You know, like you just. There's a little guy out there called Santa Claus, and you take your kids to see Santa Claus, and you're standing nearby, and they tell Santa Claus what they want, and then you just go like, "Got it. That's what you're getting," because you just said that's what you want, and now I, I know. Unless they look you at you, you and go, "A little privacy, please." <laughs> that would that would suck. That would really suck. That's when you get them to uh, write, the, write a letter to Santa Claus, and you'll mail it for them. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> but you know what I, mean, I you know what I mean, right? Like. It, yeah. I mean that's who Christmas should be for. I feel like I feel like maybe it's maybe the problem is adult adults have usurped Christmas for themselves. You know, like we're 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 all such like big grown up babies. You know that we we just want to keep like living in this sort of nostalgia. And maybe it's time we just let go of that and you know and, and admitted that that part of Christmas is for kids to enjoy and that we get to have like a a meal and 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 see friends or see family. You know, and mm. once again, if you don't enjoy seeing your family, then don't have them over for Christmas. Well, because you don't have that's to. Not always, that's you not don't have to. Enough. You're not required to. There's no yes, law. There's no yeah. law. There's no law. No, con- there's no law, but there are <laughs> consequences. There are no laws. Well, it depends. Like, what's what's better? Is it better yeah. to just have them over for? And I'm not saying this about my family. I'm glad to have them over. Mm-hmm. But it, sure, it, you are. Let's hear. Tell us all about it, Ian. Right, but if it was the case of something like you know. Either, you know, I could have them over mm-hmm. or I could not have them over. Yep. But I know then I'm paying the price for the rest of the year over this. <laughs> but if I if I have them over, yeah. it, it might be a bit of pain for like a day of just like, oh, listening to Uncle Bubba de Boo. But at the end of it, it's like then Uncle Bubba de Boo goes home. Yeah. And it's like, all right, done. All right, we got through this year and the family remains intact and you know, status quo is maintained, which is the best we can do at the moment. Sure. Uh, but, but that's, but that's a good attitude right there, right? Like, it doesn't sound like you're sweating Uncle Boobidoo and his blah, 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 blah. So, you know, like, that's 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 okay. Like, you know, it depends on the situation you're in. Like, I'm not going to go over to Mom and Dad's again for Christmas. That's not going to happen because, you know, it just got too crazy and too psychotic for me. And I don't I don't think that's healthy. So, I... Right. Um, 
crossed a line, but it did it did it cross a line all at once, or was it like always? Well, it's getting closer to the line, closer to the line. <laughs> well, think, yeah, we talked about that, you know, a little bit. But yeah, it's like you know, I've said before, my mom used to be like Mrs. Christmas. She loved Christmas. She she was she was really good. She was like Scrooge. She really knew how to celebrate Christmas. The problem was is that she didn't celebrate Christmas the rest of the year. You know, like the rest of the year she's she could be cranky and you know and she's super conscious of what the neighbors thought of us and and we were constant disappointments to her blah blah blah. And you know, but at Christmas time came, everything was great. She's super happy. She baked all the she made her cookies and fruit cake and butter tarts and all the good stuff like that and that she, she loved to buy Christmas presents and we got the tree out and we had Christmas carols playing and it was all very Christmassy in our house. And that was really that, nice. But That does sound though like what, okay. Cause it, Cause it feels like what you're saying mm. is something that I kind of suspect, you know, what it was like back in adulty days Yeah, is you just, you just, you know, you, you, you put it all into one day. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that's yeah. the, wow. You know, and then, you know, I don't want to say it's like a key party, but like, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the week, yeah. you're not looking at each other, but there's like, you know, the one party where like, we're going to blow off steam right now. There you go. Boom. This is it. And then it goes back to, you know, the, whereas I think the idea now is that you're supposed to like kind of spread it out a bit. <laughs> you know, like, I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, have sex with each other all week long. No. Uh, yeah. That's right. Have adultery all the time, not just not just once a year. Right. Yeah. No, I get you what you're saying. You're a big fan of adultery. Um, I'm saying it's like the old the old stereotype is the office that's like the really repressed office, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's wearing the suits and the ties, and you know, proper proper, maybe occasional dirty joke, you know, what yeah. what have you. And then like it's the Christmas party, and that's when booze hits the this and <laughs> wah. And then, and then the the next Monday, it's like. Oh God! What did I do? <laughs> you know, because yeah, you've been repressed all year, and then you let ba boom. Yeah. You, you, you shake up the bottle for so long, and then it explodes. You know, and that's that's what they do at those uh, at those parties. I, well, I think you're I think you're exaggerating a little bit, but I'm sure, I'm sure I, there was bad behavior, and I'm sure there was good behavior. I mean, it's just sure, sure, sure. human human nature. I mean, but it feels you know. like there was more of uh, what will the neighbors say? Uh, you know, isms in the past. You know, like we gotta, we gotta, we gotta put on, you know, we gotta put on a bit of a front here, and then, you know, when the opportunity is there to lower, you know, to 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 be free yeah. of what you're doing, then you're gonna go a lot bigger. You know, <laughs> you're gonna go a lot bigger. It's it's like, you know, if you're part of an oppressed group who, like, say, can't, uh, you know, love the people that you're, you know, love in public, then when you go to a bar. Uh, where you know you're allowed to, things are going to go bananas in that <laughs> bar, right? Because you're because you've been having to hide shit, you know, in the outside world. So kaboom, this goes here, and it feels like you know, you know, a Christmas party, a Halloween party, or what have you. You know, gives you the chance to to do that, and so. Oof. But you know, if you could have the positive aspects to it, you know, without the negative, I'm all for it. I like a nice Christmas party. Sure, why not? Yeah, I Ooh. mean, I think it could go. Uh... Both ways. I don't. I don't think it has to be. Uh, a lot of people go both negative. ways at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah, I. I don't know. I. Uh, but yeah, like my mom just slowly. It just became like too, uh, too negative and and too and just feel this. It, it just felt like it was like a vendetta. Christmas became. 
It's this weird thing. So yeah. I, it's my part of it, you know, like, like, uh, yeah, I just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable. So I, we, I have backed out of it. I talked to my mom a couple of days ago and I don't know if she was like angling for an invite or what was going on, but no, that's okay. That's okay. You can't As win. It, no, that's okay. You're saying it or no, that's okay. She didn't want an invite. I know I'm saying that's, I'm saying that's okay. I just ignored whatever she yeah. was, whatever she was going for. I just, I didn't hear it. Didn't hear it. So. You know, that's fine. I don't. Uh, I don't feel bad about it. I'll go. I'll go over and see them. But I don't want to make it on Christmas Day. It's just. It's already like. It's already like a. You know, a day with a lot of stuff going on. You don't need to add more to it. I like. I like generally. You know, when we we had a birthday party for my wife uh, yeah. early this month. Yeah. And it's this nice feeling of like. I feel like I could talk to almost everyone, anyone in this room about things that actually matter. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was just this nice feeling of like, I don't have to put on a whole bunch of airs. <laughs> you know? and, and, and that was, that was a good feeling. And I'm wondering if, you know, again, in the past days, if, you know, that was the case for like, say our parents, like, you know, if they were going through some shit, you know, could they talk to their, you know, friend circle about, how they were feeling and uh you know if they were scared about something or something was really bothering them or if they <laughs> felt they had to put a, sh- a bit of a show on and just go things are fine things are great things are all right because i get the feeling it was it was more of i can't see like my dad yeah you no. know talking to his friends and just going you know i'm really scared about how this is all <laughs> yeah no i can't see that either i can't see my dad uh be, well in fact you know my my parents were very uh weren't weren't really that we're really very social people. Like, you know, Christmas was their social occasion, really. Right. Like, we we would guess, you know, every once in a while, we'd have relatives. My mom was closer to her family. Like, we would often go over to my grandma's or to my, see my aunt, her sister. But well, my dad's side of the family, they were very, very distant from each other. And we would they would occasionally come over in the summertime to, you know, the kids would come over to play in our pool. Like my cousins would come over. And they were quite a bit younger than, than us, so... You know, I taught I taught a lot of them to swim and stuff in our pool. Just because mm. I, I was like, you know, I was 16 and they were like six. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but that, you know, we'd see them that, like very intermittently. And then, but we had our one big get together on Boxing Day, you know, in, at Christmas time. That was when you'd see everyone and then you'd never see them again, practically yeah. for the rest of the year, you know. My dad didn't go and visit. My dad didn't have friends. He didn't go to visit friends. He didn't go over. Yeah, my dad didn't have friends. It's so weird to me. Like, my dad didn't, you know, he didn't go out at, and, you know, say, well, I'm going to go over and play cards with some friends, or I'm going to go and, and uh, you know, go 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 out for dinner with some with some buds or whatever. You know, it's just even weird. Like, just, yeah, just came home, would uh, sit at the kitchen table doing his, his business homework, listening to the hockey game or listening to the football game. Yeah. The CFL, of course, not the NFL. Do you think it was uh, partly that work was tiring, and so it was like, "What? What are you going to do? I'm going to go out and socialize. I'm tired. You know, I've got to, or just, just there was just no interest in it." I think my dad turned his job into his social life as well, because he was a salesperson. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that was a very social thing, and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I get a, my introversion from my dad, and maybe that was part of it. He just needed like by himself time. You know, that he mm-hmm. wasn't like on. Like, yeah, if you're if you're having to do that all day long, yeah, you need you, the time to recharge the batteries. Yeah, for sure. yeah, and maybe that was part of it. I, you know, I don't I don't know for sure because you know, like I, 
like we say, my dad's my dad's generation, we we wouldn't talk about these things, or we he would never talk to these things about us or to us about how he felt about things, you know. Whereas I, whereas I'm very open with the girls. I don't talk about everything to the girls. I don't want them to to know when I'm scared of something, you know. Like I don't think that's like not that I don't not that I want to hide it from them, but I just I just don't want them to not have confidence in my ability to help them. You know what I mean? Well, this is that's I don't want them to hesitate. I don't want them to hesitate to come to me. Yeah. I don't want them to think, think, oh, dad, that would be frightening to dad. I don't want it to, to, you know, to weigh him down or whatever. You know, I don't want them to think that way. I want them to come well, to me. Big, that's definitely a big, big question that I, that I have, which is, you know, I've, I've seen that before where the, uh, where the parent of, of, of a, you know, a child uh, will say, like, the one thing you can't do with a child is show fear because that really disturbs a, mm-hmm. a child. Yeah. And to me, to me, I wonder if like, uh, then how do they know how to deal with fear? Like, you, you know, if they, if they see that their parent can feel fear yeah. and then, you know, this is just something that happens and it's not forever. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, it's, it's an emotion like any other emotion. Uh, it's okay to feel that. But like, you know, if uh, otherwise, like what happens then when the child feels fear? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I don't know the that, answer. That's a good question, but I, but I would say that it's okay to show fear in situations that that are genuinely fearful situations. Like, say, you're in a car accident. It's okay to admit that you're that you're shaken up by that situation, you know, because that is a scary situation. But I don't think that you should make your children scared of going on like rides at the amusement park or oh, okay. well, or going to the dentist, you know. And I think that parents. Controlled fear. Mm-hmm. I, I, I yeah. would go more with like, let's say um, we're in financial trouble. We might lose the house, or mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm waiting on test results back to see if I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you should share that with your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's fine. Those are those are genuinely. Know, I feel that they'll know anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think those are genuinely out. fearful things, but I wouldn't want my kids to know that I that I I, I felt social anxiety. Let's say I don't want them to. You know, if they feel that way, then that then we can talk about it. You know, and okay. but if I don't want to introduce that into their lives and make them think that oh, going out and talking to people is scary. You know, because it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't be scared of talking to people. If you do feel that way, it's something that you have to deal with, obviously. But I don't think it's something you should teach children that they should. The same way, I don't think you should teach children to be scared of going to the doctor or teach children it's, it's the dentist is scary. I don't think you should teach children that that social interactions are scary. You know, and I'm very proud of how both da- my daughters are super socially apt, much more apt than I am, or Lisa is, to be honest. And Lisa's more apt than I am, but but you know, like like that they're very, and only that. But Mary and Eve have no fear of of making their feelings clear at, in their workspace when, when they don't like things. You know, like Mary has no problem with like leaving a job if she's unhappy with it. Whereas to me. That would I wouldn't even occur to me. I'd be, you know, it's like you know, you're working a job, you just got to suffer, <laughs> which is a stupid way to be, right? But that's that's I, you know, but I feel like, like that's how I was taught to to approach yeah. these things, right? You're, you you probably expressed yourself in the past and had consequences that they didn't have when they expressed themselves mm-hmm. and how they felt. Like they probably told you how they how they felt. Yeah, you accepted it, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, whatever you reacted in a way that didn't make them uh, worried to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, I've told how I feel, and there we go, and, and you know, and, and now they know that that's okay to do. Yeah. Whereas if you did it and then got some big blowback, a heavy blowback, <laughs> you know, you'd be like, well, that's not the way to go. And yeah. So the next yeah. time in 
life you have to deal with this. Yeah, it's a thing. I'm I'm reading a book right now um, on anxiety that uh, a fellow I know, uh, Dr. Russell Kennedy, wrote. Okay. And he divides anxiety and alarm into two things, and anxiety is in the mind, and, and alarm is in the body. Sure. And and yeah, and his uh, his take is that uh, you know alarm is it, your your body will react to trauma uh, before your mind will. So it'll it'll react to a thing, and then your 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 mind will go, oh, there's uh, something going on. I sh- oh, you know, this is this is about this, and it'll find a reason for it immediately, yeah. and then it'll yeah. just be feed on itself and go back and forth and back and forth. And his um, his theory is that all anxiety is is basically separation anxiety, and uh, meaning that uh, there was a time in your and and not separation anxiety as in like you know that you got the fight or flight response, and and his take on this is that. Uh, it's not that you're uh, fleeing from from trauma. What happened was, at some point in your life, you you had trauma. You pursued uh, someone you loved uh, that was supposed to be there for you, and they weren't. Mm. And that was and that's trauma that you keep in your body. You were pursuing safety. The safety was not there, and then you have that now, basically, pretty much forever, unless you're dealing with it. And so when things occur, that gets that gets triggered, and then you know this whole cycle begins and begins. And yeah, it was just it was just kind of an interesting thing. And you saying that makes me think that like when the girls, uh, and again, I don't know, you know, nothing's perfect, obviously. But when I think when the girls needed um, you guys, you were there, and so that built up their strength and, in a way that you know they don't necessarily have that trauma. Uh, that uh, or an anxiety that uh, quite a few people have because you know they uh, they needed you know the person that, to be there for them and the person to be there for them wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I've given the I've given the girls a, a good an illusion of of uh, competence, which is uh, which is you know very good, like the same well, as competence. What do you say? Sorry, sorry to say. <laughs> It's same just, as confidence. It is the same as confidence. Yeah, yeah. It's like bravery. The illusion of bravery is bravery. <laughs> is, that's true. Yeah, like a little while ago, Mary was um, thinking about getting uh, winter tires, and so she called me, look, you know, for advice. And so we were talking about it, and I was giving her some advice on what I thought she should do and and who who she should go through, and and uh, you know, but it makes me happy that you know if they don't feel comfortable, that they feel comfortable to call me, that they, and they know that I will talk talk it through. You know, I remember as a kid, like. When I start, you know, when I started to have to shave, you know, I went to my dad and I was like, you know, I'm just wondering, like, what do I do? Like, how do I shave? My dad's response was like, oh, you just take the razor and you just drag it down your face, basically. Okay. No. Like, you're not going to show, <laughs> you're going to show me how to do it. Like, I thought you'd just like give me a little like, quick demo or something. No, he just, nothing. He wasn't even interested in like doing that. Like, you know, like me, like if my kid came to me and wanted to know how to shave, I'd be like, oh man, this is like the greatest moment of my life. I get to show. Show them how to shave. Like, oh, I'll just teach you all about it. You know, uh, people will tell you to, you have to scrape up, but never scrape up. I always just go down with your razor and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I would just love that. But nope. My dad was just like, eh. Oh, father said bonding moment. It's <laughs> like, well, thanks a lot. Like, you know, so, but that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't inspire you to like ask more. You know, you're not going to go to them and say, hey, um, I need to get yeah. tires for my car. Like, uh, where do you think I should go? You know, because you know the sponsor is going to be like, this is going to be like, oh, you just go to any tire place, they'll they'll help you. Okay, no, nothing more than that. You know, like whereas with Mary, I was like, 
you know, don't get winter tires, right? Because we don't need winter tires here. You know, get all get all weather. You know, because those are accept those are acceptable on, on you know where you need to have snow tires. And go to like a major, go to a name shop. You know, don't go to like a you know some place that's you know unless unless someone recommends a place to you, don't go to one of those places because you know they're often very untrustworthy. You know, just good advice, right? Like just things that someone who doesn't know. Like a young girl who's looking for tires is easily exploitable. So go to a place where, you know, they have some reputation and hopefully they'll be, they'll be, you know, square shooters. You can never know for sure when you, when you go to get your car worked on that you're going to have a square shooter, but hopefully you'll find someone that you have a relationship with that you can trust and, and that you'll build from there. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I just don't, yeah, I just don't understand like why you just wouldn't want to have, wouldn't want your kids to come to you for questions, you know? It's yeah, so, it's so funny, but I mean, everyone's yeah. but everyone's different too, right? Like, like um, it's probably less likely that Eve would come to me with that kind of question because she she approaches life differently than Mary does, you know, and uh, she's a bit more self sufficient. You know, it probably if you're you know uh, the 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 parent who doesn't necessarily have that bonding instinct, yeah, probably was not bonded with by their parent, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that was an era where like you know you take care of your kids. Do you love your kids? What do you mean? I take care of my kids. <laughs> yeah, but do you love them? What's that mean? Yeah. yeah. What's what's that question? What are you saying? Mm-hmm. What's your accusation? I'm not accusing. <laughs> I'm just asking if you love your kids. What's, yeah, yeah. What what's that? What? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous question to to ask. Yeah. And I refuse to answer it. Sorry. Are you saying yeah, I don't love my mean? kids? They're wearing clothes. That's right. And it's not even about love. Yeah. It's about yeah. You know, I give them what they need. They eat and well. Send them on their way, and then you know, there yeah. you go. And the important thing is, it proves I had sex with my wife, and I'm not gay. <laughs> Very important. Now, excuse me, I'm going to watch a Paul Lynn closeted Christmas. <laughs> of course, I love my kids. I put a swimming pool in the backyard. Yes, I, I won't tell them how to shave, but there is a swimming pool in the backyard. Yeah, that lets them swim. Yeah, that's right. And get out of the house so I can watch TV. <laughs> what, what are you saying? Piece. Where's this conversation going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not a communist. I had children. So. And it's it's funny. Uh, I, um, I went and saw. I don't know if I mentioned that I was going to this, but we went and saw um, The Shining and Doctor Sleep. It was like a double bill. Both right. films played, and and but the director of Doctor Sleep, Mike Finnegan, was there. Who's also the director of Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass, yes, and the <laughs> the Haunting of Hill House and uh, Oculus, another really great movie. Oh, that's too bad. He almost had the alliterative uh, titles for everything. It's too bad. <laughs> Haunting of Hill House, Midnight Mass, and Oculus uh, Optimists. <laughs> uh, too bad. Yeah, um, that was really fun. He's a really he's really well spoken. Very very enthusiastic about movies and and uh, lots of had lots of good stories about working with Stephen King on, on Doctor Sleep because uh, Doctor Sleep was written as a reaction. To um, it was written as a reaction to Stu- Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, mm. you know, and it pretty much starts off. It's basically like the it's basically like the Nicene Creed, right? Like it starts off by stating, you know, these are the tr- these are the true facts about you know, uh, you know, Jack Torrance lived the 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 ho- the 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 whatever it's called the lookout is the the, the hotel is gone, the overlook is overlook is burnt down, you know, uh, ja- um, Dick. Dick uh, Helleran is is fine, you know, like, uh, you know, but that's like the first paragraph of Doctor Sleep, 
you know, it's stating okay. stating this this cre- this creedal statement of you know uh, of deny of denial of Stanley Kubrick, this Gnostic, uh, you know, this heretic in his movie, and um, so it was interesting. So so I guess I guess um, Warner Brothers owns Doctor Sleep, like they own anything that's t- to do with The Shining. They they own it. They have the rights to it. So when when Stephen King wrote a, a sequel to Doctor Sleep, it's, it was a, a automatically belonged to Warner Brothers. So they immediately were interested in, in you know pursuing it as a as a as a film as a film property because it's a continuation of The Shining. So that's you know it's that's money. And so they um, I guess they had a a script done by a writer. I knew his name. I can't remember it now. He's he's a you know fairly, he's a well known writer. Oh, Akiva Goldsman. And, um, so he'd written a, a treatment or a script and, you know, it was floating around Hollywood. Mike Finnegan had read it, didn't like it, but he'd read it. Then I guess he'd gone to, he'd gone to, um, a meeting at Warner's. Um, uh, but this was more like a DC meeting because he was pitching a Superman movie to them. And the reaction oh. was, Oh no, 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 we're not, you're not doing a Superman movie. So, so he said it was like the shortest meeting of my life. And so we still had a half an hour. And so, but the the executive said, when they were talking, the executive said, "Have you heard of? Have you seen the screenplay for Doctor Sleep?" And and Finnegan said, "Yeah, I've seen it." He said, "Well, what do you think of it?" And he said, "Well, I didn't think much of it, to be honest with you." He said, well, "Why didn't you like it?" He said, "Well, he said it's true. It's too true to Stephen King's book, and because in the end of Doctor Sleep, the big confrontation is on the burned out property of the Overlook, and he said that is not what people want. They want to." The they want the finale to take place in the overlook. Yeah. You know, they want to have, they want to have this, this moment of, you know, they want this cathartic moment to ha- take place in this, this familiar setting. And the, and this executive was like, I said, well, that's really, I really like, that's an interesting, uh, interesting. So, so I guess Finnegan left the meeting and we talked to his production partner and he's like, you know, Superman, Superman thing, no go. So that meeting is just like worthless, but whatever. But then a little while later, they contacted him and said, we'd like you to do a, a spec script for, for Dr. Sleep. And we're going to send it to Stephen King and see what he says. And, 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 uh, so I want you to write it. And so, of course, he was like, okay, this is bad because, um, Stephen King hates Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Like, you know, it's not just like, he hasn't rec- reconciled to it. No, no, he literally hates it to this day. He despises that film because. Oh, I saw Ready Player One. I understand. <laughs> not because. You know, and and not because of changes. Like he understands that changes have to take place in a in a in a in a in, you know when a book's made into a movie. That's he has no problem with that. But what he doesn't like is that Stanley Kubrick changed the theme of of the book because to to Kubrick that movie was about al- or his book was about alcoholism okay. and what that can do to a family. And he felt like the movie should and he felt like there was a redemptive arc to the story. You know, and Stanley Kubrick took that away. He didn't, he didn't make it a redemptive alcoholic story, which is, you know, in this, when Stephen King wrote The Shining, he was deep in, in, in alcoholism and would be for many years after, you know, but it was something he wrote from his fear of what, what it would do to his family, you know, and even though he still couldn't, he couldn't control it, he could at least admit it and acknowledge it and try and work through in a story, you know. And so, um, so, uh, now, now, um, Finnegan had worked with Stephen King before because he had done a version of Jared's game. Which was considered like an unfilmable Stephen King novel. And the interesting thing is, if you write to Stephen King, if you're a director who has any kind of, you know, a little bit of, you know, enough that you would be interesting to Stephen King, uh, if you write to him and express interest in a in a property that is available, he'll sell it to you for a dollar. 
and you, you have it for a year. And if you can't do anything within a year, then he'll take it back and give it to someone else. And so there's some properties that you can never get because it's, it's always, it's all, you know, someone always has it. So you kind of have to wait for your moment to pounce. Right. And, and so, you know, but he wrote to Stephen King and he, he tried to develop Jared's game and, and it didn't work out. Uh, but Stephen King really liked the script and, you know, and, and he had, was a fan. He'd liked Oculus and had, you know, tweeted about it. So, so, uh, Finnegan knew that, you know, Stephen King liked him. And so when he approached him about it, but I guess it didn't work out. And later on, uh, dealing with Netflix, they were able to, to do it through Netflix. Hmm. Uh, and so they did have a bit of a relationship. So, um, but he was still Mr. King, you know, like they weren't like buddies. And so he sent the script. So the script was sent through various people to Stephen King and Stephen King read it and, um, actually he said, okay, like he could see, like, I guess he wrote him an email to explain what he was doing, you know, and just saying, I know that you hate Sunday Kubrick's The Shining, but I'm going to make the following changes and here's why. And he explained what he was doing and then he sent the script to him and, and he said, no, this will work. I, th- I think this is, you know, okay. He said, he signed on for it. So, so yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting to hear all the stories about, about it and stuff and working with, uh, and he said, no, now I can call him Steve. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's really good. And, um, yeah, it was just fun. And also I won a t-shirt. I was able to answer a, uh, trivia question. I, 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 I knew several of the, I knew several answers, but I was finally called upon when, uh, when I, what was the, trivia question? the question was, uh, um, which, which, uh, Stephen King son or Stephen King writes under a pseudonym. Uh, and then, uh, it was Joe Hill. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I got I a lost an award to that guy. So I <laughs> there you go. So I got a I got a t-shirt. I got a Stanley Kubrick t-shirt. It's like a it's a Shining t-shirt. It has various uh, posters, various different Shining posters on on the oh, front nice t-shirt. Yeah, it's kind of nice. So I got that. So it has like a little signed Stanley Kubrick. To be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of the Stanley Kubrick, The Shining. Um, okay. I saw it in grade eight. My dad took me to see it. And the reason I brought this up actually was I I mentioned to my mom that I'd gone to see this double feature when we were talking the other day, and then I mentioned. Um, going to see the movie with dad, with dad at the, at, uh, he took us to the Guilford cinema and we went, went and saw The Shining there. And she went, Oh yeah, yeah, that was supposed to be, uh, he would do something with you guys every month. But that was the one time that you did anything with him. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that was supposed to be a thing. But anyway, I said, I didn't enjoy going to the movie with him that time. It was fun. Even though he didn't, he didn't think much of it, but I didn't either because I just had read the book. And so I was totally like, wanted to see the book on the screen. And that's not what that movie is about, you know. It's not, you know, it's not giving you that. So, you know, like when things happen, like when Dick Dick Halloran gets killed, I was just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> so, you know, all my reactions were, <laughs> "This movie, what, what's a maze? What is a maze doing in this movie?" I'm trying to think, like, of, I mean, do I really like The Shining? I, I think, I think there's some some really good filmmaking in it. Yeah, Tone, tonally, I think, yeah, there's some some great scenes. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the, the good scenes are really good scenes. Yeah. More so than I think, like, you know, there's probably better Stephen King movies, but, uh, mm-hmm. as a whole. There's better, uh, there's better Stanley Kubrick movies. Um, but yeah. But I, I do, like, Finnegan made the point that it was a movie that changed horror in the sense that it, it was a major director, like a majorly respected director of movies. Like, like he was a, you know, it's hard to, I think he's fallen a little bit since he died, but I think, you know, it's hard for us to remember back to a time when, like, Stanley Kubrick was, like, like a, a god amongst directors, right? And to for him to do something like a horror movie, you know, was really strange, 
you know, because but that would was... they count say two thousand and one as a sci fi movie? Like, but it's a, it's a, like but it's a genre? but it's a sci fi movie with with a big idea in it. It's not like a right. it's not a dumb dumb movie like Star Wars or something. It's a it's a well, Star Wars didn't exist though. I mean, but you know what I mean, right? Like, like at it... the time though, wouldn't it have been like you know he's doing a space movie with a talking computer? You know, and it's it's got you know yeah. But he's doing a he's doing crazy a, psychedelic stuff. He's doing it? a space movie about the Nietzschean idea of the Superman with uh you know. Well, if you know that, yeah. But to a regular person watching it, it's like, was that a giant space baby at the end? <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. I mean, but right. I mean, it's it's a think piece. It's not just a it's not just a spectacle a spectacle, right? It's mm-hmm. it's very you know like once again, I, I think mean, it, that's where it ends. But you know, up up to that point, it's like you know. Uh, it, you know, it's not a million miles away from like a Westworld where it's like we got a really smart robot. Yeah, but that's only what? that's a very small part of the movie. That's a very small part of the movie, though. Like, What's that? That's a very small part of the film. Like the movie is a very dry film, I think. Like the whole, all the stuff on the moon with the monolith there, and all the scientists talking, and all the very sedate scenes of like the space travel and stuff like that. It's all it's all very low key and very you know very quiet. It's a it's. You know, it's not a. It's, this is. It's not. You know, it's not Forbidden Planet or or something like that, right? It's it's very. It's very low key. It's a, and the, the hell scene is like kind of like the most spectacular. You know, that's the part that everyone remembers because it's like the most spectacular part of the film, besides like the the travel sequence with all the lights and stuff like that. Which is, you know, if you timed your acid right, you could be tripping at the right moment for that in the '60s. But but yeah, it's it's uh, uh I think the movie's okay. Like I'm not. I to be honest with you, I have a. Stanley Kubrick shirt now, but I'm not like the biggest Stanley Kubrick fan. I I don't like Barry Lyndon very much. Um, I do like Do- I do like Doctor Strange Love a lot. I think Lolita is a bit of a misfire. Um, 2001 I think is kind of boring. I love Clockwork Orange. I think it's very a very successful version of that. Um, I think Full Metal Jacket would be better if the two halves were were reversed. But I feel the same way with The Shining. Like at the end of The Shining, like there's a scene in the in the maze. Okay, it's fine. Like let's let's pretend that I'm not in grade eight still and upset about the fact that they put a maze in, in the book. But like, so in the movie, you know, like Jack's running through the, like, so Jack's running through the maze and he's chasing, you know, he's trying to find Danny and then he, he slowly starts to succumbing to hypochondria. And then he, is that what in hypochondria? Sorry. Um, hypoth- uh, what is it? Hypothermia? Yeah, hypothermia. Sorry. Once I said hypochondria, I just ruined my, my brain went That's sideways. Funny. The idea of like at the end, I feel like I might be sick. <laughs> I, think oh, I feel like I'm getting a cold. Like, I think I might be mentally ill. Did anyone think that? No, you're being paranoid. You're fine. That's right. I think I'm coming down with something. I, <laughs> I might be freezing to death. <laughs> so anyway, um, so, and then, sorry, in the movie, like he, you know, he's like, you know, because he's so he's so cold, he can't speak anymore. And then, and then it's like smash cut to like the goofiest frozen person you've ever seen in your life, you know, doing the classic Stanley Kubrick glare, you know, the kind of head lowered down with eyes looking up, which is in a lot of his movies. Alex does it at the beginning of Clockwork Orange, and Vincent D'Onofrio does it in in Full Metal Jacket, and Jack Nicholson does it in in. Uh, in The Shining, and I, I don't know, maybe maybe Ryan O'Neill does it in, in Barry Lyndon, but uh, or someone does it in Barry Lyndon, maybe Patrick McGee or someone. But then, um, but uh, so yeah, smash cut to that. So that's just like the worst edit in the world. And then it does this corny, super corny, you know, travel down the hall towards the picture, the photograph on the wall, and then we zoom in on Jack Nicholson. But oh, that's not enough. Maybe people aren't going to get it. No, let's zoom in more. Zoom in more. 
Okay, nope, not that's not close enough. A little closer, let's get his face right in the whole screen. Oh, there we go. There we go, Jack. There he is. There he is. Okay, now, let's lower the camera down. Lower the camera down. Oh, it's the snowball dance in 1921. July 1921 or whatever. It couldn't have been snowball dance, but it doesn't matter. You know what I mean. And then... <laughs> January 1921, let's say. There we go. And then it comes, goes down to that. January 1921. Oh, he's always been there. Oh, I get it now. And I just was like, I said to Mary after we watched the movie, I was like, wouldn't it be better if instead of smash cutting to the dumb frozen statue thing of Jack Nicholson, that they like start there, like a close up on him and then pull back from that till yeah. we see the people in the room and then pull back and then we're in the hallway of the hotel and then pull back from that and have the camera travel backwards from that. And then we cut to just maybe him lying, you know, maybe buried under snow in the maze and not this dumb statue thing. And then end the movie like that. He's always been there. And there he is still. Now he's dead. The end. Like, it, is, it feels like that would be, to me, a better way. I, I don't know. I always argue with Stanley Kubrick and his, and his editing choices. But, but uh, it just feels better. And I also think that it'd be better if, when he's in the maze... That he comes to his senses then and realizes what's happening, but it's too late. He's already like almost dead, you know, and he just drops the axe and then just accepts his fate, but he knows that he's done wrong, you know? That would be a way better ending, Stanley Kubrick. But Stanley Kubrick was a cold person, and so all his movies are very cold. And so, you know, to me it works it works in a satire like Doctor Strange Love or or um or a uh, Clockwork Orange, but every other movie that's supposed to be like heartfelt, it doesn't work because he's just too cold a director to make it work. You know. Do you think uh, with Doctor Sleep they uh, they cover the alcohol side of things, like in the in the movie movie, or is that just no? Not, they don't cover that at all. Oh, they I'm really sure. they really cover it. Do they? Okay. Like Danny is yeah, just I like I can't remember much about it to be honest. I, like it starts it starts off with Danny like in a bar fight. Picking up some some woman, going to her apartment, snorting mm-hmm. cocaine and drinking all night, then waking right. up and being be, waking up in the morning and and um, stealing money from her wallet, and then seeing her child, her child who's who's that's a little baby who's filled his diaper, and then you know putting that just putting that baby beside his mom on the bed and and you know sneaking out of there. He's going to sneak out, but then he he he's confronted by Dick Halloran who appears and talks to him. So the cocaine aspect, do you think that was, you know, like a commentary on King? Because that was his demon yep. of... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that's... A, I think I do think he was commenting on, on that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, um, I mean, it's not a big part of the film because, you know, you can only have so much of that as, uh, you know, because you, you have a Stephen King story to tell, right? It, the book is as the size of a house. So you've got to, like, yeah. excise a lot of the repetitive parts of it. And Stephen King really likes to do the same thing over and over again in a book. So you can, you can kind of excise stuff without too much worry because there's a lot of repet, re- repetition of things. And then it, you cut to like him coming to this, that small town. He's sort of drawn there and it's probably like his shining that draws him to that town, you know, because that's where he, he contacts the, the little girl contacts Abra. Um, I actually quite like the film. I think it's very good. I wish that I wish they'd shown his director's cut and they did mention that, um, uh, I think I think her name's Rachel Fox. She's a programmer there at the. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, she was she was like the she was the MC and she did the she did she uh, did like a little talk with um like a little Q and A with 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 uh, the director with Mike Finnegan. 
and um, and they mentioned that there was a director's cut, but Warner's wouldn't give give them a print to, to show. So they they were showing like the 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 feature as as released. Oh, okay. And um, and uh, Finnegan did say that when he show when he sent his first cut to to Stephen King, Stephen King's only comment or only complaint, he said, "Love the film. I think it's great." hate the scene of the boy <laughs> the baseball boy uh getting tortured he said and and finnegan said and that at that time it was a longer sequence yeah he said because i had a real hard time editing that down because i was so happy with jacob tremblay's performance in that sequence that i couldn't bring myself to to cut it up too much because he mm-hmm. did such a great job you know and he said he did such a good job that all the actors who were performing as the evil characters were all like dying to doing what they're they even though they're just <laughs> acting they were it was just killing them how, the way he was performing like it was making them so sad so yeah, it was, oops it was really interesting uh yeah to to hear that yeah yeah that was a scene i i i, I had the most problem with was you know the mm-hmm. child torture scene yeah and it's it's it's, oh, it's a tough one because you like you know it's you need it you need it in a movie like that because it. it's, the, it's the woman being eaten by the shark at the being of jaws yeah so it's like it's the scene i like the yeah. least you, it's the scene that's needed, otherwise nothing else works. Because you need a scene where someone, someone does something unforgivable. Yeah. And you're okay with them, whatever happens to them in, in the in the rest of the film. It's okay that a guy flies through a window. It's okay that people get shot. It's okay that, that she, you know, gets consumed by the hotel at the end of the movie. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, that's too bad. She wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know, like, no, no, she was terrible. She, you know, because like the opening when they when they kidnap uh, Violet, the little girl in, in 1980, um, you just see them kind of swarm her but you don't see what happens to her you know you know it's bad and you see you see a missing poster for her later in the in the movie when when there's a scene with with danny and his mum, um and and, th- and that's fine you know because you're like well that was bad but you don't know how bad it was until later on when they do the the scene with the baseball boy with jacob trombley and he does such a such a great job in that c- scene like it's you know it's not a big role but he really really sells this you know what's happening to him and uh and after that you know all bets are off like you are you are totally on team danny and abra and you just want you know you don't want you just want to but the book is much happier than than the movie like finnegan i think finnegan is more comfortable like you know more comfortable with and understands that you need to have like loss in a movie in order for for things to work like and also to make the narrative make sense you know like in the film, I'm sorry, we're kind of spoiling Dr. Sleep if people haven't seen it, but there's a scene where, um, when they confront the, the, those, those characters, the vampire characters, or the vampire-like characters, there's one who can push people. She can, she can give suggestions and make people do, do things. And so Danny's friend Billy gets too close to her and she, she get, makes him kill himself. And you're like, oh, not Billy. And I saw it with Mary, and Mary hadn't seen it before. And when that scene happened, she was like, oh, I could hear her say that out loud. She's like, no, not Billy. And uh, and you're like, yeah, that's terrible. But what do you do with him after that scene? Because you can't have him go to the Overlook, because that's too many characters showing up at the Overlook. You need you need to like narrow the cast down to just the essential characters for the finale, for the big confrontation. You can't have Billy go, yeah, I think I'm gonna head back to my place. Uh, you know, I, my plants need watering and, uh, you know, my goldfish is by himself right now. So I'll, I'll see you guys later. Like, this doesn't work, right? You need, like, a dramatic, 
you know, way to get that character out of the out of the movie. So that's that's what you have to do, unfortunately, you know. And same with all the other characters, no matter who you like, you know, or you know, you just need to like get down to the essentials. So um and you and the characters need to suffer a little bit too, right? So otherwise they're whereas Stephen King in Doctor Sleep, because it, his book was the anti Stanley Kubrick, The Shining, it's all happiness, right? Like mm-hmm. Billy doesn't get killed, uh Abra's dad doesn't get killed. They, they, the move, the book ends with them having a picnic, you know, like it's just this, it's just really like this whole anti thing, you know, like, uh, Danny, you know, in the end of Dr. the movie, Danny dies as part of his, you know, his redemption, his redemption story is that he sacrifices himself for Abra, right? So, you know, that, that's his, re- that's his redemption. And, and, uh, that's not, and Stephen King, you know, he lives as well. Like, like I say, all of them are at the end of the book are all having a, a picnic and, you know, and that's just like, so no stakes. You know, like, you know, and you can see why, what he was trying to do, which was this, like, ec- exercise, you know, Stanley Kubrick's a shining and you create this thing that's like, you know, and, uh, but I think Finnegan's like, no, you can't, you need, you need some, you need some drama in your drama. Otherwise it's just, you know, it's just a real flat pancake of a movie. So, yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't do very well, but I think it wasn't, I think it was really underpromoted. Um, like it came into theaters and I didn't even know about it and I didn't even know it was a sequel to The Shining. So oh, I yeah I, I my my thing when it when it came out was just like okay my my thing was like I I'd seen Ready Player One yeah and I just was like oh, okay <laughs> another and one that was such a hey guys yeah we're gonna really recreate the Overlook and we're really gonna show you you know how about we show you that the the blood scene in the elevator from another angle and all this kind of, and it's like okay yeah that's yeah you're doing all right yeah that's cool cool. All right, and now we're gonna have Doctor Sleep. Oh, okay. We're gonna go back to the <laughs> Overlook. I really feel like I was just there. Yeah, I really feel. Yeah. Okay. That is that, un- is, that is unfortunate. Yeah. It stopped now being a scary place and now being a nostalgic. Oh yeah, I know where that room is. <laughs> well, you can walk around there. You're gonna see this one, and yeah. then this lady, and then this, and you know, there was only. I just remember like how horrific the woman in the bathtub was the first time you saw her. Oh and yeah, then, and when I was in grade uh, eight, that scene was terrifying. Right, and by the end of the Doctor Sleep movie, she was Slimer. Was just, <laughs> just, there she is. She's there. Yeah. Okay. Well, gotta take care of her. Well, must be Thursday. Got to deal with her. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like all right, fine. It's just like there's only so much you can. The the scene with the boy for sure was new, and that was ugh. Uh, but then by the time you get to the Overlook, you're like, oh yeah, I feel comfortable here. <laughs> Well, that's not okay. horror, then, is it? It's like, that's eh, a fair point. I don't, yeah, but I don't think that scene was meant to be horror. It was meant to be like a cathartic end to the story. So it can't, yeah. it can't be anywhere else. It wouldn't make sense to to have Danny have a confrontation like in a field the way the, the original novel was. It, that yeah, seems it's like... just, it'd, be, it'd be like going to like the Amityville Horror House. Yeah, and like you know, and, and ending it with like, and now it's a daycare. Center. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Or, or having a fight at the house next door. You're like, well, what about? What about the house with the windows? Like that's, that's what that's all about, right? The house with the windows. Yeah, you know, Amityville yeah. house with its windows. That's what you need. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was a good. It was it was a fun night though. It was. Uh, oh, was good. I'm glad. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I didn't get to. Uh, I didn't get to yell out. I love Midnight Mass. <laughs> but I would have. I could have thought of a way to do it without. Uh, he was like, we sat quite down. We sat quite close to the stage. So, just by happenstance, because we got we got there kind of. 
lateish, so other, you know there wasn't a lot of seats left in the in the in the juicy part of the theater. So we kind of ended up sitting near the front, which is fine because it's just not a huge screen and you're still it has a stage, so you're kind of far away from it anyway when you sit down that end. So my only worry was because it's a weird theater; it has a slant slant all the way down except to the bottom where it kind of like does like a weird um like a like a check mark like it yeah. goes up a little bit at the bottom so if someone sat in front of you they're higher up than you are and you're like well who put these but luckily no one sat sat in front of us i think because i fake coughed through the whole beginning before the movie before the movie started <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> and yeah just kept saying you know what i'm getting tested tomorrow yeah i'm gonna good. <sighs> yeah. right yeah, you know, you guys know. Yeah, yeah that's right. We had three people with COVID at work. I hope I didn't get it. <laughs> Why is not anyone sitting in front of us? <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we're, uh, hopefully, you know, our our first live show at the Rio, the Critical Hit Show, yeah. it's going to be after the, you know, the the date where, you know, it may get extended, who knows. But, you know, we should, we should still be doing a live show near the end of uh, next January. So. Cool. Fingers knocking on wood, crossed, oh. and all this stuff. I'm gonna, we'll I'm gonna try and make it down there. I do miss the space. Yeah, yeah. make sure you sit uh, not with people in front of you. <laughs> Get yourself a nice grilled cheese sandwich, maybe a nice <laughs> bit of popcorn. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. No, no, no. I miss the popcorn there. Oh, it's good popcorn. Um, popcorn. Eric always kind, kindly includes me on the guest list. So he's a, Eric Fell. Yeah. He's kind of swell. <laughs> he's very swell. That's what they say, Dave. <laughs> Yes. You know, around Christmas time, yes, sir. Uh, what, 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 what? A, a person's uh, thoughts sometimes turn to music. Ah, yeah. And yeah. I wish I had some, <laughs> but I don't because I'm in a closet. And well, I've that's... got an iron, and I've got a New Yorker calendar. Yeah. I've got a bunch of thumbtacks. Okay. And uh, Set by for the life. way, mm-hmm. on the New Yorker um, uh, joke a day calendar, uh, we're the we're the um, the Christmas joke. Oh, okay. My wife and my uh, cartoon is the Christmas one. So oh, I'm very happy what is that. it? Can you can you explain it to us, please? What is it in New sure, York sure, cartoon? Sure, uh, I'd love to. Yeah. Since it's Christmas, when people are listening, yeah, the two elves and uh, and uh, one and they're making toys, and uh, one elf says to the other. So my therapist says every day is a gift, and I'm like, that's the problem. <laughs> good. That's good. My uh, sister-in-law, not my sister, my yeah. sister-in-law, uh, Vicky, has a joke that's uh, got a similar uh, uh, thing in it, mm-hmm. which is, uh, every day is a gift uh, from an aunt that doesn't know your size. <laughs> that's good. It's a that's very good. good joke. I like it. I like it. Now, now you uh, you sent me some songs that were uh, uh, good songs. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I decided, I, you know, um, for Sneaky Daggy Listening Party... I one year we we did a show with David M because mm-hmm. David M has oh the guy that I rip off I, <laughs> I didn't say you ripped him off I said just just... Like I rip off my sister oh joke. my goodness I know, I know what you're saying I get okay. it. I get your message yeah uh, David M the guy you ripped off um, he has a huge collection of Christmas albums so so we had him come on a Sneaky Dragon and we did two shows and David played a bunch of Christmas songs with a real accent on wassailing <laughs> and so the following year. I I took the, I took on the mantle and I chose I think around twenty songs twenty Christmas songs. Right, you're an anti wassler so I know. That yeah, there was a very little wassling that was going on with my my choice. Mine was a little more, um, uh, you know, just kind of more eclectic. A lot of soul songs and a mix of rock and soul and, and a lot of fun. So 
so I thought, well, I'll choose five more songs. So this is called The Bottom of the Barrel. No, I'm just joking. Um, I just feel like once you've, chose, once you've chosen 20 songs of your favorite or Christmas songs you like, that how many more are left? Like, my gosh. Yeah. But they actually are quite, like, a few, quite a few. Yeah, left. you should do like a, a CD called, now that's what I call more. <laughs> that's what I call more. That's what I call more of the same. Yeah. So, yeah. Now that's what I call cashing in. So, but yes, I found uh, five more Yuletide songs for everyone out there. So, you know, of course there are different kind of Christmas songs, right? Mm -hmm. There are religious Christmas songs, Christmas songs about baby Jesus and uh, stories of the, of the, the, the Christmas story. Right. And then you've got your, what I like to call shopping songs. You know, a lot of Santa songs where Santa's bringing you gifts and Santa's Getting this and that for you, so he's a cool guy and all the great yeah, things he does. I'll give you a blowjob. Yeah, those songs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. That's like the David M song. Anyway, um. Oh, for crying out loud! <laughs> ah! So then, so um, and then there are like seasonal songs that aren't Christmas songs. They're just winter songs, like Jingle Bells or Winter Wonderland and songs like that. Right? They're not. They're not related to Christmas. They're just related to the season that Christmas happens to occur in. But we kind of group them in, right? So you do a Christmas album, you'll have, you know, a couple of hymns, like Away in the Manger or Holy, oh, Holy Night or something. And then you'll have your Winter Wonderlands. And, you know, that's just the way it is, right? So, but, so, uh, what I'm saying is there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to the songs I chose, but I didn't choose any religious ones. Originally, my idea was I was going to choose, uh, all religious ones. And then I realized I didn't like that many of them. So, so that's, you know, oh, I shouldn't say that. I do like singing them, but I, it's, it just feels weird to like, hey, everyone, have you heard Oh Come All Ye Faithful? I don't know if you've heard this song, but you might might enjoy it because you'll learn that the Lord does not abhor the virgin's womb. <laughs> that's very important that you say that in the first verse of your Christmas carol. Uh, you know, just go right in there. Start right away. Were you guys thinking that was the case? That old wives' tale? The <laughs> wives' tale that oh, he that he abhorred virgins. No, no, he did not abhor them. It's funny. My one of the priests at my church. She wrote on Facebook. She's she quoted that line and she said, "Could someone please explain this in a way that makes me feel comfortable with this line?" So, and I I was tempted to write, but someone else said my words for me, so I didn't have to bother. But uh, which is that it's really like. Because the whole, the whole, do you know, I'll come, I'll come all you faithful. It's fairly like, it, it quotes like part of the Nicene Creed in it and stuff. Like, it's very much about, it's very much like an Orthodox Christmas carol. Like, not an Orthodox church, but I mean. Like, I just know it as, oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant, come ye, come ye to Bethlehem. I don't know any of this, like, and let me tell you some notes of God about your womb. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. Like that. Okay, I'll come all you faithful. Uh, yeah. da, 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 adore him. Um, yeah, the the first line, like the very first verse. Here, let me call, let me just call up the. Um... Please do. I'm very curious what these what this line is. Yeah. Oh, the faithful lyrics. Here we go. All right. So, um, oh, this one, uh, this one is not the religious version. They've cut out the. Okay. Uh... Oh, this is by Pentatonix. Well, who wants to hear that? Oh, come all you faithful. I do like the band original. The Here we go. Sixties. They were very. They were very good. No, this is not right either. Oh, that's funny. Oh, it's back to it's fucking back to pentatonics. This is not the original one, you ding dongs. Do I want it in Latin? Yeah, how about in Latin? Here we go, everyone. Okay. Oh, come all you faithful, Adeste Fidelis. Let me just uh, find if I can find the actual text. Here we go, text. 
No? Yeah. Not going to tell them it to me? Lyrics. Oh. Okay, here we go. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. God of God, light of light. Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. Very God, very God, begotten, not created. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. So now that is that is right out of the Nicene Creed. Okay. God wow, of God, that, light of that light. sung usually... During Christmas carols over hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah. We see this is when we sing at the church. We sing this. The other great thing about it is uh, down below here. Um, da -da 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 -da, where is it? Where is it? Don't get me started on the uterus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, now, Chris, it sounds weird, right? He abhors not the virgin womb, but the the point of it is so at the time. At the time the Nicene Creed was created, they were in a big battle of wills with the Gnostics. We've, I think we've talked about them before. These were the guys, guys and gals, that did not like the body. To them, the body was a foul, dirty, putrid, stinking thing. And the spirit was what was important. And so in no way could Christ have actually been incarnate in a human body. He was a spirit that floated around like a ghost. Ah. Uh. He never touched the ground. It looked like he was walking, but he didn't actually walk on the ground because he was a spirit. There's no way that Christ, God himself, would be in a human, gross, ugly body. So so the Nicene Creed was saying, no, what is important to understand in this story is that creation is good, the human body is good, and that Christ was part of what what make you know that christ was an actual us that he experienced our lives that he wasn't just a floating around ghost you know sort of um being near human experience no no he took part in all human experience including pooping you know that's very important so that's like the third line seeing all these citizens of heaven above glory to god pooping in the outhouse just joking don't say that but so lo he abhors not the virgin's womb so you know christ was born of human like born of a person not just created out of nothing or appear from behind a rock or just suddenly appear from heaven one day in a bolt, uh, uh, a bolt of lightning. That he actually was What's born in this world as a baby. Rock? Maybe it is Jesus. No, wait, it is a rattlesnake. Wait, it is a rattlesnake. Run, run, run. run. Well, it's not Christ the Lord. Another rattlesnakes in Israel. But, um, and so, yeah, so the idea of very God, begotten, not created. These are all very important um, parts. God of God, light of light. These are important theological um, things that were argued about at this time period that were incorporated into the Nicene Creed. And so when you say the Nicene Creed, you are, you are stating what you believe as a Christian, to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be, right? So these are all things that were decided. That was my glasses falling on the floor. Um, those were all things that were decided um, at that time. And so that's why it's in there. And also, the other reason it's, it, that it's great is because it's so hilarious that we have to sing it at Christmas. It just kills me every time. And, I, and when the girls are there, it's worse because we always look at each other when that line comes. And then that cracks me up even more. And then later on in the, in the uh, hymn, they use the word thither, which I just love that they would say thither, that we have to go thither. So anyway, that's a great, that's a great hymn. My personal favorite, personal favorite hymns, though, uh, religious hymns, Oh, Holy Night, because that whole fall on your knees part is great. And then uh, there's another one called People Look East, which I love so much, because that one is, it's an Advent hymn more than a Christmas hymn, but um, it just says, uh, one of the lines in it is, 
um, you know, people look east because you're looking for something coming, and because love the guest is here to stay, and I love that line. So anyway, um, these are not songs like that though. These are uh, these are rockin' tunes, everybody. And so let's start off with a little-known musician, a little guy called Louis Armstrong. I don't know if you people have heard of him. Just just kidding. Um, Louis Armstrong and the Louis Armstrong and the Commanders, one of his one of his many groups. Um, and this is a cool Yule. That came out in 1953, and just so this is a uh, you know what this song is for um, for Brent Tannehill actually because uh, this song was written by Steve Allen. Wow. Yeah. So let's listen to uh, Steve Allen's song uh, "Cool Yule," which of course was uh, like a lot of Christmas songs from this time period was uh, the B side of a song that was not a Christmas song. And so I know it'll make even happy that this song was called "The Gypsy," the A side of this single. And the B-side is Cool Yule. So let's give it a listen, everyone. I'm going to island to the Sunset Strip. Somebody's going to make a happy trip tonight. While the moon is bright. He's going to have a bag of crazy toys. Give the corners of the girls and boys so day Santa comes on day You come a calling when the snow's the most When all your cats are sleeping warm as toast And you can flip with old Saint Nick A razor lick on a peppermint stick You come a flying from a higher place Fill the stocking by the fireplace So you Ever you that's Strip. Somebody's gonna make a happy trip tonight While the moon is bright He's gonna have a bag of crazy toys To give the corners of the girls and boys So dig, Santa comes on big I'm calling when the snow's the most Cats are sleeping warm as toes and you gonna flip when the old Saint Nick Plays a lick on a peppermint stick You come a-flying from the higher place Fill the stockings by the fireplace So you Ever you, that's good Ever you, that's good Yeah, cool, yo <laughs> And we're back Merry Christmas What do you think of that, Ian? 
I think that's probably uh, one of uh, Steve Allen's best songs. <laughs> what do you know other songs by him? I don't. That's the only song I heard. Uh, this could be the start of something big. Oh, really? Did you hear that? Okay. But he he, he wrote like uh, an amazing amount of songs. He did. Steve he yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was a that was a, a. It's very rare when when someone has cool in the title that the song is actually cool. But that's a pretty freaking cool song. <laughs> it is cool. That's the kind of song that one of those Christmas parties you were talking about. Someone go, I got a new album. You guys got to listen to it. Got to put it on the sure. hi-fi. Yeah, yeah. And like, where's your hi-fi, man? Wait, push a button. Hi-fi comes out of the wall. Whoa! <laughs> Open, put it down. Well, you better put the needle on the record. Put the needle on the record. Don't worry about it, buddy. That's going to do it for itself. What? <laughs> and people are like, yeah! Well, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to burst your bubble, but this song. this song came out in '53, so it would have been would have been a '78 a shellac record. <laughs> so you got to put it on your play it with your uh, very thick needle on a shellac That's disc. That's right. But uh, yeah, it was on Brunswick Records, which I didn't know this. I was re- I've been I was been reading a book about the uh, jazz label jazz, jazz label Impulse, and they're saying in there that Brunswick was a was a what was called a race records company. Uh, meaning they played uh, music by black people, but uh, it was came kind of it became defunct. But later in the fifty, later in the late fifties, this producer, this guy named um, uh, what's his name now? Oh shoot, now I can't remember his name. Anyway, he had signed Buddy Holly to ABC Paramount Records, and and they didn't want to put him on their choral label, which was their label that had like um, Pat Boone on it and people like that, right? And so. They didn't want to like sully that label with with a with a rock and rock and roll guy, and so mm-hmm. he he suggested that they revive Brunswick, and so they did. So the Crickets, Buddy Holly and the Crickets were on Br- Brunswick, but when Buddy Holly did a song just by himself, uh, then he was on he was on Coral Records. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, right. So our next Christmas song is uh, next top five Christmas song is by a group called the Flirtations. Woo-hoo. Now this was <laughs> this was a uh, girl group, uh, an American girl group. Right. Yeah. Now we're talking, Dave. Come on. Uh, well, uh, originally their name was the Gypsies. <laughs> oh, for crying out. Okay, but later they changed their name we to the Flirtations. <laughs> they, they changed their name to the Flirtations, and yeah. uh, and they 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 uh, you know tried their best. They tried their best and and. Uh, didn't have much success in America, so they moved to England near the near near the late in the late sixties, and uh, they were signed to uh, a, rec- a label called Parrot Records, uh, which uh, was the home of Tom Jones, and they put out a single on that label, and then they they moved to the Duram label, and they had a, and where they had a did a great song, one of the one of the great songs of the sixties, uh, a song called Nothing But a Heartache, that wasn't a hit at the time, but became like a big Northern soul classic. Is that the It's a Heartache, Nothing But a Heartache? No, it goes, Nothing but a heartache every day. Nothing but a heartache, do-do-do-do. It's a really good song. Uh, Okay, they should have written lyrics and not just said do-do-do-do, but okay. Well, (laughs) you know me and lyrics. We hardly ever meet. Um, It's it's a great song. In fact, it was uh, both songs were written by the same people. uh, This um, guy named Wayne Bickerton, who also produced it, and Tony Waddington. Two more British names you'll never find, I think. But um, so they they wrote nothing but heartache, and then this B side to the single, which was a song called "Christmas Time Is Here Again," which uh, makes me kind of smile because uh, I was 
quoting earlier, I was making up a Beatles song or using a Beatles song saying COVID time is here again because they wrote a song called Christmas time is here again for one of their fan fan club Christmas releases. And uh, but this is nothing to do with that. This is its own song. Uh, this is the flirtations and Christmas time is here again. Here we go. And what did you think of that? Uh... I really 
liked it. Like to the point where it made me mad that uh, I don't hear that regularly. Like, yeah, yeah, that's so right. Many, yeah, it's good though, right? Yeah, so many hack. You know, it's like Run Run Rudolph. I hear multiple times a year. Yeah, and I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> no, no. Like, when a song like this is like around, yeah, why, why aren't I hearing that? It's better. Yeah, yeah, much much better. Because it was weird. Because yeah, like so when the single came out in England and it was it wasn't a success there. And then when they released it in the United States, they took off the B-side and they put a different song on it. So it really never got any exposure here either. So it's just kind of like a, an, an, a secret song, I guess, secret Christmas song. Only we know it. Um, okay, well, let's let's make it unsecret, people. <laughs> let's, let's play this more. Because I, I really like that. It's a very sweet song. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, all right, well, let's go on to number three then. Number three, this is um, Big D. Irwin and Little Eva with I Wish You a Merry Christmas. Um, and let's give it a listen, everybody. Here we go. I wish you a merry, merry Christmas. I wish you a merry, merry war. I wish you a merry Christmas. I'd like to wish you a merry Christmas. I'd like to wish you a merry Christmas. And a happy, a happy new year. I love well, like uh, like I love call and response songs, and that's definitely uh, two two people uh, ha- singing a song together. Uh, it was on, it came out on Dimension Records, which was owned by by um, Don Kirshner, most famous okay. no, most famous for being threatened by Ma- Mike Nesmith. Um, and uh, is that right? Most famous for that? Yeah, he was the the Beatles music director at the beginning of the or not Beatles, sorry, the Monkeys music director at the beginning of the Monkeys TV show, and and uh, when the 
when the monkeys wanted, particularly Magnesmith wanted to have more control over their music, uh, he once punched a hole in the wall and said, that would, could have been your head to Don Kirshner. So, um, now, Don Kirshner, was he the one who was played by Paul Schaefer on Saturday Night Live? In, in what? When they did Don Kirshner on Saturday Night Live. Oh, did they? I, never, I don't remember that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, let me see. Don Kirshner. Uh, yeah, I think they also did some some stuff there with uh, on like SCTV if I'm if I'm not wrong. Okay, okay. But uh, let's see, Don Kirshner. Da, 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 da. Oh, there's a lot of people appeared. Yeah, uh, SCTV uh, did a uh, Lee AI Akoka's uh, rock concert. Okay. And that was Dave <laughs> Thomas basically doing it. But yeah, Paul Schaefer regularly performed him. Yeah, there, there was a there was a show in the '70s called Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. That's right. That's what they were parodying. Yeah, where he would have Live like, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's what they were parodying on uh, Saturday Night Live when Paul Schaefer was playing. So I know him best from uh, from his parodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was like, you know, he was like a Brill Building guy. He wasn't literally in the Brill Building. He, I think, he was like in a building on the same block, but. But he was part of that scene of like you know music writers sitting in offices banging out songs and and giving them to girl groups and and uh, and handsome uh, male, uh, male singers to 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 record and um, you know just kind of pre Beatles when the music scene was was still kind of you know the idea of like at that time musicians weren't expected to write their own songs you know like it was it was cool if there was like a chuck berry or a buddy holly who wrote their own songs but it wasn't it wasn't the norm the norm right most most singers at that time were interpreters you know whether they're in girl groups or whatever and so like when the beatles came they kind of kind of changed things a lot and, and it became more expected of people to to write songs but but like something like the monkeys where they you know they weren't performers they were just actors or for the most part they were actors playing uh, musicians like all the songs were were farmed out to, to writers and that was Don Kirshner's role in the show was to act as the as the sort of executive producer and and find you know saleable songs and and uh, and so yeah and so Jerry Goffin and Carol King uh, who worked for Kirshner and were signed to you know part of Dimension Records so like Little Eva we were probably best known for the locomotion of course which was written for her she was the baby she babysat for Jerry Goffin and Carol King and so, but they knew that she was a, she could sing as well. And so they wrote this song for her to do. And so she sang, she did the locomotion and, you know, it was a big hit. And so she became a, she became a, a, a Dimension Records artist. She was signed to the label. She never had like a, another big hit in it, but she did work with Big D Irwin and another, there was another song by him. I, I can't remember what it's called now that, um, off the top of my head, but he, he did a song for Dimension and she, she sang the backup for that song, but she was uncredited on that version. But this one, they got together. So this song was written by Carol King and Jerry Goffin. Um, the other interesting thing about Little Eva is that, um, there's a song by Goffin and King. It's not one that people play very much anymore or talk about. It's called He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss, which, yeah. which is a, it's a weird kind of song, but they were inspired to write it by Little Eva. Who was beaten by her boyfriend, and when they like expressed concern about it, she said, "It's okay. He does it out of love." And so they wrote this song. And I, you know, I don't think the song is not a song saying this is good. It's just a song ex- ex- describing this experience uh, that that young women might have. Um, it's referred to a couple of times. It's actually the last line in um, uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Timm's uh, graphic novel, uh, Mad Love. Okay. Harley Quinn and the Joker. Okay. Yeah. So that, yeah. that'd be a good example of, of that it kind of, made, yeah. It was made into an animated thing as well. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah so they uh, anyway so they worked with her a lot uh, she was also uh kind of a became a member of a band called the cookies who um did this that song oh what's it called like uh, something something good you know da 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 do 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 yeah, something tells me I'm into something. That's the one, yeah. It was covered by a British group, but it was originally done by a group called The Cookies. That was she it was Herman's Hermits that covered it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm pretty sure yeah. Herman's Hermits covered yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anywho, so um, let's go on to our fourth song. Yeah, this is our fourth song. And uh, if if any listen, if any of our listeners, I mean, I think all the listeners for sneak, uh, for Listening Party are Sneaky Dragon listeners, so so you will all remember the Christmas episode. Anyone, anyone of you who listened to Listening Party will remember the Christmas episode, my Christmas episode, that I heavily drew from a record I loved from my youth called Something Festive, which was an A&M collection, a sampler of A&M artists that was given away free if you bought winter tires from B.F. Goodrich. And, or... Yeah. Or Firestone, one of those kind of companies, anyway. And so, if you bought like Bridgestone or some some thing, when you went to, the, they would give you like a Christmas record, you know. So it was a bit, it was like kind of a, a you know. And so my dad had this record because he got winter tires, so he got this record. He also had one that had um um little drummer boy on it, the Harry Simeon singers version, when that song was pretty new. Um, anyway, so we hit, and this one was like the most hip, the hippest of hip, um. Uh, Christmas albums, and this was hit before before the '90s, before lounge became a thing. I was well ahead of that. Everybody, I was so on this whole lounge thing. You know, I was listening to Herb Alpert and his and on this Christmas album. You know, with uh, the Baja Marimba band and all this other easy listening garbaggio that I just love. And so, um, I so I did play. I played like a Burt Bacharach song from that album on that one. I played Pete Jolly from that album. Because I just I and but I did not play this song, uh, and this is also on the the Herb Alpert Christmas album. But uh, I like to think that I'm I'm playing the version from Something Festive, which came out in 1968. This is uh, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass and Jingle Bell Rock.
and we're back. And uh, now this bothered, this bothered me because <laughs> if you were to ask me, yeah, what's the Christmas song I dislike the most? Okay, I would tell you, yeah, with less than a second, I would tell you in a, in a blink of an eye, yeah, Christmas. My, Jingle Bell I Rock hate, is your. I hate Jingle Bell Rock. I think that's the. I think that's the worst Christmas song there is. Why, why, but, do, you, why do you hate it? But, but, but oh, it's a terrible song. Okay. But uh, it is a really good song. I like the <laughs> uh, I like this version, which pisses me off because I don't like. I hate Jingle Bell Rock so much. Like if Jingle Bell Rock comes yeah. on, it's just click. Like it's got to be. Let's just crash the car if we're in the car. We had a good life. Smack. Drive into traffic. End it. Wow, that's you really hated that much, eh? Well, first of all, I don't. I mean, technically, maybe it is yeah. rock and roll. Yeah. But it's one of these songs. that's like, where's any song that's like about rock and roll that isn't rock and roll really mm-hmm. bugs me. Okay. Okay. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell mm-hmm. rock. We're having rock and roll. Everyone's rocking. Yeah. Rocking around and rocking and roll. It's yeah. not. Why what isn't is it rock? Song? It's got rock guitar and it. it's got the whole that uh, very yeah, that uh, kind of bling bling you know kind of rockabilly guitar going on in it and stuff. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about uh, what do you think about rocking around the Christmas tree by Teresa Brewer? I really like that song a lot. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty much uh, you know uh, that's 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 in a, in the top five. That's enough of that. Really? Uh, Christmas oh, songs, man. yeah. But Jingle Bell Rock for sure <laughs> is like. Oh, I love that song by Teresa Brewer. She was only thirteen when she sang that song. That's. Good. What Bye. makes what makes this Herb Alpert song? She's older now. She's older now. She knows better now. Okay, go ahead. What makes this Herb Alpert song so great? There's a couple things. That, well, two things that make it great. One is that it starts Herb off by going "Hey, yep," and then the music starts playing. I just love that when people yell in songs. I think I just, I just even if it's fake enthusiasm, I just love enthusiasm in songs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a local rabbit song called uh, West Island Rockers, and and near the while the, well, they're doing like their crazy guitar solo stuff at the end, you can hear them yelling at each other to do whatever. I don't know whether do it, but it's just so great that they're just like so excited they're yelling. But anyway, so the other thing that's great about this version of Jingle Bell Rock, the reason that it's good is because it's so masterfully arranged. Like it could be okay. boring, right? Like it's just a band with trumpets. It could be a very, very boring song, yes. It could, but it's just right. a band with trumpets, but because they know how to like, the, the, the arranger who's probably Pete Jolly, I don't know for sure, but probably Pete Jolly. Because he's a really good arranger, it 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 builds like it keeps it adds little things. It you know it it has strings come in. It has the the ladies' voices come in, and it and it keeps it peeling. Is that me making? I'm, what am I doing? I thought you went away there for a second. Yeah. There's some kind of weird noise. I don't know what it is. Oh, maybe it's my chair bumping against the table. That's what it is. Let me turn around again. Um, yeah, there's some weird there. Weird sound. Sorry, everyone, for that disturbing noise. It will be there forever now. All right, so let's move on from uh, Herb Alpert, and you know, and when I was a when I was a teenager, nothing pleased me more than to go to like a friend's house and look through their parents' record collection and find a Herb Alpert record because I would immediately play it, and because uh, I just loved them so much. And of course, all my friends were mad at me for doing that, but uh, I just couldn't help myself. So good. Take that. Taste of honey scared me as a kid because it sounded like there was a monster creeping up on you. <laughs> But it had a sexy lady on the cover, so I like that. Yeah, whipped cream and other delights. We recreated that um, that cover with a bird for a Titmouse show. I remember that sketch comedy show. My wife uh, uh, built a model, and we covered it in shaving cream, and uh, yeah, it was fun. Just like the model, she was also covered in shaving cream. Mm. 
because it didn't melt in the lights the way that whipped cream would. Cream, <laughs> she was covered in shaving cream. Um, so final song, ready for okay. the, ready for number five? Sure. Here's a band I esteem very highly. I'm not a huge fan of their most popular song, but I like all their weird stuff. This is the Tokens mm-hmm. uh, with the little drummer boy mm-hmm. uh, from I don't know when. I don't know when the song came out. I I have it on a collection. Um, but I, I, I can't find it. it. It was never released as far as I know, other than being on some collections because there's no, like no record of it as being a record. It is, it is like on a, it, it's, a, I found like a reproduction single, like someone put out a single with them on one side and the coasters on the other, but there's no like record that was released in their day of them singing this song. But anyway, this is the tokens with the little drummer boy. Let's give it a listen, everybody. Me and my drum, drum, drum. Me and my drum, drum, drum. 
And we're back. That was the tokens. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the best versions. It's really good. I mean, there's a little bit of the Lion Sleeps Tonight in there, which a song I'm not like a huge fan of, but but I understand that when you're doing like a Christmas song, that you kind of gotta put your best foot forward, and that that little woo wee woo part is there. Obviously, they're 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 a calling card, but uh, yeah, I just love it. I love the the drums. The drumming's really great in it. Like it's one of the things about like the little drummer boy is when you listen to versions of it, the drumming doesn't really come into the song. Like they're singing about a drumming about someone drumming, but they never like have drums like drumming away. Whereas this song is like the drums are really prominent and they're really like doing some fun stuff. So you know, it's, this drummer boy is not only a, he's he's having some fun, you know. <laughs> Enjoy it. It's great. Well, anyway, there we go, everyone. That was. That was some yeah. Christmas songs for, for the sneakers out there. I hope you enjoyed it. Indeed. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was very enjoyable. Yes. Uh, and also, hey, watch the Little Drummer Boy at Christmas special. It holds up. Yeah, it'll make you cry. Yeah, why not? It's a nice, uh, nice little story there. I forgot to mention that I drank some Coca-Cola during the show today. But okay. It, but it's special Coca-Cola because it, oh. it's Coca-Cola with British Columbia raspberry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's raspberry-flavored Coca-Cola. And uh, what is your thoughts? That's pretty good. I actually, I you know, I kind of got juiced out in my youth and didn't like juice. Like I don't like you apple. Did a lot of uh, steroids is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like apple juice. I don't like orange juice. Right. Like I'm not a fan of juices, but I do like raspberry juice for whatever reason. And oh, so this that is an interesting juice to like. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> and uh, and here we go. This is uh, this is um. Ra- you know, raspberry flavored Coca Cola. So it's kind of like raspberry juice with Coca Cola, I guess. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a, a cherry Coke uh, fan. I'll have it uh, in a Coke Zero. I'll have it. I'll have it however you give it to me. Actually, you know what? What they've come up with now is uh, there's a black cherry uh, Pepsi with oh. sugar. Okay. And I'm, I'm trying to kind of cut back on the sugar, but my God, that's a good soda. Holy <laughs> cow. It's, it's like, they call them like a Pepsi, like soda shop. Uh, so, and they also got a cream soda version. Oh my gosh. So yeah. delicious. I can't, I can't say enough good things. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'd usually just stick straight to straight Coke, but at least about those. So, so, uh, the little drummer boy TV special, just running a little bit trivia by this, then we'll get to letters. Um, sure. because it's an animated thing. Yes. Okay, it's, a, it's an animated thing, and because it was 1968... Mm-hmm. It features uh, Paul Winchell, who invented the uh, the uh, replacement heart. That's right. Uh, who was uh, the Little Drummer Boy's... Uh, who were the Little Drummer Boy's parents? They were the most used uh, voice, uh, animation voice actors there were. So oh, okay, well, it must be Paul Fries. That is right. And that June Foray. June Foray. That's right, yeah. And, and who was the mother, sorry? June Foray. Bang on. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. It was a Finally, famous choir. I, hmm? Yeah, famous choir actually sings the title song. What choir was it? A famous choir sings the title song. That's correct. Very famous choir. Were they related to a church? Uh, you know, I'm, assure, I'm assuming so. Oh, okay. No, uh, they not, don't have okay. church in that name. Okay. What's that? Sorry. What do you say? Sorry. They don't have the. Ch- they don't. Oh, have okay. The okay. Then that's it. So famous so choir. Yeah, boys. Uh, I'll say boys choir. Oh, uh, like the Vienna boys choir or something. Like? Boom! That's it. Sorry, okay. I gave it away with the boys. Yeah, you did. Sorry. Was the Vienna boys choir singing the little drummer? Oh boy! Absolutely correct. There you go. That's our trivia there. No one uh, made any things with hearts, though. That's too bad. <laughs> um, so last week we asked, uh, "What's a word that uh, you pronounced wrong for a very long time before you were corrected?" And also, "What is your thoughts on eggnog?" Yay, nay. <laughs> I give a hearty yay. But you know what? I went to the store tonight. Yeah. 
None available. None available. Oh, because of all the deaths? Yeah. Yeah. Because of the eggnog murders, yeah. <laughs> There's a guy who left eggnog by every murder. Yeah. And they went like, we got to just like stop selling eggnog. This guy is taking it too far. Yeah. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm sorry that uh, I have not had eggnog yet this year, so I have not had that crippling uh, doubled over. Whoa! <laughs> but I... I don't, I've got some black date. I'm I, ready to I try it. I don't get that. I don't get that. I do like that in uh, the, in French it is called chicken milk. It's best. <laughs> what do your chickens think about that? Well, you know, I don't milk the chickens, so they don't think about it. Well, maybe you should. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, so uh, our letters are as such, at least on our webpage, you will be reading our emails. Yeah. Uh, Joseph uh, Boylan writes... Uh, thanks so much for the shout out. Give a little shout out uh, to Joseph uh, uh, about his uh, his page uh, where he's talking about uh, Get Back. Was that what it was, Dave? Yeah, on his blog he had written a, some thoughts about Get Back, and they were uh, very enjoyable. I enjoyed reading that actually. Unfortunately, I couldn't leave a comment. I couldn't see a way to leave a comment on his. You know, I was going to say something like "Good job." Actually, I was going to. I think I, I think I had a point of criticism, so I just decided, even if, even if I could have left, I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have done it, because it was just a pure, just purely, you know, the, the reflexive, you know, uh, was, um, what's the word, pedant in me, not pederast, as I almost said, but pedant in me that, um, wants to, like, you know, I think you'll find, yeah, shut up, uh-huh. shut up, Dave, anyway, That's fine. but it was good, it was enjoyable. Uh- uh, so uh, he writes, uh, thanks so much for the shout out. Love you guys. Love the show. Happy holidays. Bring back completely Beatles. Okay. <laughs> uh, Edward Jordansky replies to him, Joseph, wonderful write up. Forget back on your JMB Write Stuff WordPress page. There, we just explained what this page was. Yeah. And uh, Edward, unlike David, wholeheartedly agreed with every word. Yeah, I just had one little niggling thing, but that's fine. Oh, okay. Do you want to say what it is, or do you I, want to? You know what? It's so niggling. I don't remember it now. <laughs> so, yeah. It's really right. not important. I just brought that up just because I'm a jerk. All right. Uh, Well-known jerk. Yeah, bring it up over Christmas dinner. <laughs> uh, Scott McGinnis writes: Hi, Ian, David, and the Sneaky Community. Hope everyone's well, and you're looking forward to a happy, healthy, peaceful Christmas. Uh, yes. Uh, I haven't written in a while because I haven't been able to answer any of your questions, but I have been listening. That, shouldn't, that shouldn't stop you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this week I can answer a question. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, one word I mispronounced for uh, years is awry. I thought it rhymed with sorry. Uh, I'd read it and uh, pronounced it like sorry, but I also heard the word and knew what it meant and sounded like. I just never connected the two. It wasn't until I actually <laughs> used it out loud in public that the confused looks and laughter of my colleagues made me realize my presentation had really gone awry. Uh, We don't have eggnog here in the UK. At least I don't think we do. Uh, I I think the nearest we have is a snowball. It's a Christmas drink, usually drunk by people who don't really drink, but uh, think they should join in at Christmas. It's also given to kids as it's hardly alcoholic at all. It's made of uh, advocate and lemonade. And it's sickly sweet. Nobody drinks it uh, at all for 364 days of the year. <laughs> it appears on the supermarket shelves. Mm. Have a Merry Christmas, dragons, and a very sneaky good New Year! And mm. there is a recipe here for a classic snowball. Uh, well, so, just, just, to, just to make it clear to anyone out there who does not have eggnog in their lives, right. eggnog is, lit- is literally made with eggs. So it's beaten eggs with cream 
and like combined with cream and then uh, with nutmeg added to it. Yeah. And it's often, uh, it is often like, um, my dad likes to have it with rum. That's his uh, yeah. chosen. That's the, you know, you have it with uh, rum or bourbon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or cocaine if it's. <laughs> rum, I think rum is the nicest smelling uh, alcoholic version, but yeah. I don't know what Advocat is. So I don't really know what Advocat is. I, I do like the cartoon character Advocat, but... Uh... Yeah, he's half avocado and half cat. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was a lawyer. <laughs> Life's a pit. Cat lawyer. Yeah, anyway. Advocat. I, I, know, I like that better. That's better, yeah. <laughs> Your cat lawyer. He, does, he seems to have lost interest. Always oh, leaving the courtroom. He's <laughs> wandering around. Always oh, back in the courtroom. Now he's, he wants to be let out of the courtroom. He's all I can afford. Yeah. Yeah, now he's back in the courtroom. Terrible okay. lawyer. Yeah, it looks like kind of a, it kind of looks like kind of a fruity drink. It doesn't seem. Uh, I don't. It would all depend what advocate is. That would. Uh, well, anyway, it's taking forever for advocate to load. And I think in doing so. Oh, there we go. I brought, I brought back the letters page. Here we go. Okay. Um, Louise writes. Yeah. Ethan's greetings to Ian and Dave and all the sneaky listeners. Greetings. The first time I remember being corrected over a mispronunciation was in elementary school. Uh, I told a classmate I was reading a Nancy Drew book, and I got into a chapter called uh, The Mysterious Mishap. <laughs> it's pronounced mishap. Uh-huh. I got to wondering what the next uh, mishap was and why it was so mysterious. From the chapter title, I was able to find the entire text of The Hidden Staircase, Nancy Drew number 2, online. At the chapter's end, Nancy and her father are checking out a bridge under construction when a sudden, uh, well, suddenly a big driverless truck comes rolling towards them forcing them to dive into the river to escape. Was it a mishap or attempted murder? Then there were two words I remember mispronouncing in my head when I was reading a YA book set in ancient Greece and Roman times. One was uh, named Chloe, which I imagined was pronounced Sholo. <laughs> the other was a word for a tunic she was wearing, which I pronounced Sheton, which was actually chitin. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, for, that's forgivable. I had forgotten everything is forgivable. It's Christmas. I had forgotten the book's title, so I used uh, the name and a few plot points to discover it was, appropriately enough, The Forgotten Daughter by Caroline Dale Snecker. Oh, you had to give me that. Snedeker. Snedeker. What a name. Uh, I find uh, uh, it fun when a GPS robo voice mispronounces a local street name. Mm. My sister and I were driving in Richmond yesterday. We snickered when the GPS lady told us to take an exit to the Steve Best on Highway. <laughs> and I say no to eggnog. I like um, uh, when you go along the freeway, if you go off at a certain overpass, which is Gallardy, if we call it Gallardy, but the uh, the GPS calls it Gaglardy because it's, <laughs> it's an Italian name, so it has the gl sound uh, that you should actually be like, how you would say it. And I can't even pronounce it like the way Italians would pronounce it. But uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. And then I also like every morning I have my, my phone tells me what the traffic is like. And mm-hmm. it always says, you know, it take you 22 minutes to drive to work. If you go on a highway, um, it's like highway we one highway. So it's supposed to be West, but because right. they just put, they just use W E for it. It calls it highway. We, <laughs> Nice. Num- number one, which I, I love so. And so you would take highway wee wee all the way home. I wee 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 all the way home. That's true. Piggy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a little piggy. Hey, so while you were while you were uh, is sorry, is Louise's letter over? Louise's letter is over. Are you going to tell me about advocate? Yeah, I'm going to tell you about advocate because it's closer than I than I thought because ad yeah. a, it's advocate a d v a d v o c double a t. 
It's a traditional Dutch alcoholic beverage made from eggs, sugar, and brandy. The, the rich and creamy drink has a smooth, custard-like consistency. So uh, other than the alcohol content, it does sound a little bit like eggnog. But uh... but the alcohol contest, the content, it's freaking high. It's between 14% and 20%. Yeah. So... This whole, we give it to kids and they enjoy it. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, they enjoy it. What do you expect? That's a punch in the face. That's why you go downstairs, they're like leaning around the piano singing uh, Pack Up Your Troubles. Hey, yeah. they got a couple of recipes here for uh, homemade... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not having that. No, sir. <laughs> John Hallbrooks writes, Hello, gentlemen. Hello, John. I have not Hello, a John. regular word. Yeah, but rather a proper name that I mispronounced for a long time. Uh, though no one noticed this because, well, you'll see. When I was in, I love the setup for this letter. Yes. There's suspense. I like it. Uh, when I was in high school, I lived in England for a year, and there was a music teacher at my school there named Mr. Bonds. The reason for the quotation marks will soon become apparent. There is so much setup to this letter. <laughs> I, I didn't have him for a class, but I got to know him because I was a nerdy kid who liked to talk about classical music. I still do, by the way. I spent the entire year calling him Mr. Bond. But one day, near the end of the academic year, I saw his name written somewhere, B-A-R-N-E-S. <laughs> I had er heard other English students pronounce his name, and of course, being English, they pronounced it something like Bonds which I had heard as Bond. After learning of my mistake, I pronounced it with my North Carolina accent, with the typical exaggerated R. So I had spent the year pronouncing his name and only his name with an English accent without realizing it. <laughs> Candle, I say. Um, eggnog, no. What? Reason one, it's disgusting. Reason number two. Not true. I once had a coworker who brought uh, a homemade dinner uh, for us uh, one evening when we both had to stay late in the office for some reason. The dinner was the fattiest lasagna I ever had, and the pairing that she brought us to drink with it was eggnog. <laughs> it was, I think, within a week or so of Christmas. Since then, even the thought of eggnog threatens to bring on waves of nausea. <laughs> I hope you both have a very lovely Christmas. I'm off to Miami to spend it with my wife's family. It's not Christmas without uh, Dominican family drama and a whole pig roasting in the backyard. Wow. Be well, uh, John. Thank you, John. Yes. You know what? Merry Christmas, to you, sir. Uh, I like I like hearing from a John, but I, I want to make things a little more formal. It's Christmas, so I'm going to move on to a Jonathan now. Oh. We have Jonathan Bampton. John Do you want to say anything about Jonathan Bampton before I go on, Dave? Uh, I believe we all know him as the two-time winner of the Sneaky Dragon listeners' questions episode prize draw. Right. It is the biggest game show scandal since <laughs> that one in the fifties. <laughs> yes. Renumeration. Considering the word concerns payment, which often involves numbers and accounting, I logically assumed until a few short years ago that the word was renumeration. Well, the renumeration. Oh, renumeration. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you very much. I apologize. Uh, I have accordingly both mispronounced and misspelt the word for years. Well, I just mispronounced it right now. <laughs> well, you pronounced it correctly, but you didn't. Uh... Yeah. I need Dave to go back in time to ancient Rome and get this nonsense sorted out. <laughs> Uh, that okay, Dave? Sure. Please avoid, uh, avoid falling I, shingles. I can't see how that would go bad at all. Go over with opal on the pavement. Yeah. Watch out for the opal. Resist calling them, uh, telling them there's a superior, divergent, vulgar offspring of their language, Spanish, on the cards in a few hundred years. Yeah, Dave, <laughs> don't spill the beans on Spanish. How about Italian? Can you spill it on Italian? Yeah. I guess. Remuneration, you've got to be kidding me. 
Uh, still not as embarrassing as mistaking lethargic for nauseous, nauseating, <laughs> when, uh, which I did during a school debate. Happy Christmas, each and every sneakers. Adios. 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 Hey, I guess he's also language. going to... Uh, what's this, right? What? I mean, that's that language we can't tell the Romans about. Yes, that's right. Don't tell them about... It's okay. You can talk about French and Italian and Romanian, I guess, but not not Spanish. Yeah, please. Espanol, senor. No flat. Uh, we no have mess. Edward Dragansky is back. He's not just commenting on another letter. He has made his own letter. <laughs> Good. Here we all are. Here we all are together for the Christmas season once again. Mm -hmm. I assume that by the time I hear this being read, I'll be on the other side of the gift giving and holiday dinner. Hope, hope both went well. I can easily think of two names I got wrong in pronunciation for a few years before I actually heard them said or was corrected by someone in the know. I pronounce the names of both comic artists John Byrne and Bill Sienkiewicz as John Byron and Bill Sienkiewicz, long before being corrected, John Byrne and Bill Sienkiewicz, as they should be pronounced, didn't take uh, long to take root in my vocabulary. I still know some people who say Sienkiewicz to this day. I even knew a guy in college referred to uh, Walt uh, Simonson as Walt Simpson, <laughs> but what do you do in that situation? I didn't uh, judge as long as I uh, knew what they were talking about. So I said nothing to correct it. Oh, that was Spider-Man's mistake. He didn't do anything. And then it's Uncle Ben. <laughs> That's right. Um, for the win, uh, whenever someone asks Bill Sienkiewicz uh, how to pronounce his name, he smiles and says, Bill. <laughs> I decided to do the same with folks who struggle with Dragansky, uh, which I've heard a thousand different ways. Ed, on the other hand, is far uh, easier and correct. Uh, I love eggnog, but it doesn't love me back. Me too, brother. It's rich and sweet and shouldn't be part of my diet. My dad uh, told me he made eggnog cookies for Christmas, which is a new recipe for him. So maybe that's the alternative I've been looking for. Um, I'm going to just tell my own little quick story here. Uh, Pia got a nice uh, gift uh, box from FX. Um, and uh, one of the chocolates that was in it is an eggnog chocolate. And gosh, it's good. Holy moly, it's good. <laughs> dangerously good there's also one that's like it's like it's super classy chocolate yeah and there's one that's like the fanciest pop rocks chocolate you've ever had in your life oh mm. so good. Uh, i look forward to your thoughts on spider-man no way home maybe you've already shared them earlier on the show either way i can't wait to hear i feel it's so spoilery it's tough to talk about it yeah we'll give it a bit of time before we go tackle that i one. will say i will say this one thing it was one of the first movies that has had a trailer that is actually in the trailer position where trailers used to be they call trailers trailers because they used to like drive people out of the theater by showing uh, previews of upcoming movies. And people mm. like, yeah, and they'd leave. Uh, they have one of those at the end. It's a, it's a preview I, of an upcoming yeah, movie. I really hated that. Really... And Dave really hated it. <laughs> he just seemed so mad. I was mad at. I was so mad at the the uh, the scene, the mid credit scene, and then I was even more mad at the end of the movie. It just felt like. Yeah, he was not Popeyeing his way out of the theater. <laughs> kind of garbage is this uh, so all my fellow sneakers and Ian and David relax enjoy the holidays and may your season bright and make your season bright there you go. and make your season bright very good thank you Ed uh, Jada Jackman writes Jada words I subtly mispronounce words all the time like espresso instead of espresso someone should just invent espresso mm -hmm. Baxter espresso and call it espresso that's what you should do so you don't have that long slow drip and you're just like i want an espresso well how fast do you want it i want it espresso fast got it boom there it is done 
invent that, then then this whole problem is solved. That's what I say. Anyway, uh, continuing on the letter. But usually due to my natural accent and not because I've read them either way. I remember a director I once used to, uh, I once had used to hate how I'd always say uh, either instead of either. And to be, uh, to, to be fair, it was a Shakespeare play sans accents. And he felt the former pronunciation was too American. As to eggnog, <laughs> yes, please. I'm a huge fan. And the minute Thanksgiving is over, I break out the nog. Uh, I actually love uh, Coquito, uh, which is often referred to as coconut or Puerto Rican eggnog. Hmm. It's very sweet and full of cinnamon and easy to make at home, which I have done uh, for several Christmas seasons now. It is traditionally made with rum, but as a non-drinker, I say it's great without. Uh, hope every sneaker and every dragon has a wonderful holiday season. If you want to send us the recipe, please do. I would be very curious to hear it. Um, so, yeah, thank, that was our uh, web page full of letters. But uh, over in the land of emails, I think we have some uh, some mail. Do you have uh, all those letters addressed to Santa Claus, Dave? <laughs> I do have all the letters. Oh, no. came... Just tell us. Just to, uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just sort out the ones that came for us. So, um, hey, hey, yeah, is hey is for donkeys, which you'd find in the manger. We we had a letter come a little while ago, and we didn't we didn't read it out, so I'm going to read it out now. Oh, please do. Um, now, uh, I, I kind of I, originally I didn't read it because I was going to respond to it, and then I put off responding to it because I I have a hard time answering. Uh, well, Nina says I'm I'm bad at communicating and uh, you know at responding to things, but it's it's partly because I um I'm not if I don't know the answer I have a hard time responding. That's like saying I don't know or something or not sure what's going on or I just have a hard time with that. I don't know why it's weird. Um, actually, you know what? That reminds me. Let me just go. I saw this interesting little article in my Atlantic feed on Instagram. I've talked about this before. This guy named Arthur C. Brooks who writes a uh, a column for um, the Atlantic Monthly called um, what is it called again? It's called mm -hmm. it's called it's called it's called uh, How to Build a Life is the name of his column. But in this column, he's talking about procrastination, which is something that's very dear to me because I am often, in fact, my parents gave me a shirt when I was a kid that that said I was a procrastinator, and that uh, anyway. So did um, you ever get around to putting it on? <laughs> I did. I think I, I think I wore it for. I think I wore it for like an anniversary episode of Sneaky Dragon, actually. Oh, nice. Because at the time I could still fit into it, even though I got it when I was thirteen or something like that. Anyway, so um, this is uh, this is research shows that in certain circumstances, procrastination can improve the quality of our decisions and work. Oh. And then he says that uh, goes on to say, uh, procrastination, usually considered a vice, can be a virtue. Procrastination is typically thought of as a time management issue, but it's more an issue of emotion management. In fact, you can suffer from not procrastinating at least a little in many situations, and doing things in too much of a hurry can reflect its own form of maladaptive emotional management. Sometimes people procrastinate, rushing into tasks because they are impatient to lower their cognitive load. Then he asks, so how do you find a balance between procrastinating and procrastinating? Um, he offers a few tips. First, figure out if you're a chronic procrastinator. This will help you understand what mindfulness tactics you might help you stay present to tackle your to-do list. Next, procrastinate enough to let an idea ferment. While you're thinking about a task, avoid doom scrolling and instead try going for a walk to motivate yourself. Lastly, 
don't leave tasks so unfinished that they feel impossible to complete later. That's yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah. Anywho, let me go back to uh, Addie's letter. Back, back, back we go. Not, not that far back. So Addie writes, he says, Hey guys, I would like to invite you to Dragon Con. Ian, what is Dragon Con? Uh, Dragon Con is a uh, uh, fantasy comic book uh, sci-fi convention that takes place in Atlanta, I believe. There you go. I know you both have wanted to go for a long time, so get yourselves to Georgia, and I'll take care of the rest. <laughs> Sending the invitation this early will hopefully give you both lots of time to plan this trip. Go to Valhalla. Then here's what we're going to do. Okay, go ahead. Uh, he says... Dragon Con 2021, or sorry, 2021 happened two years ago. 2019 was 85,000, but this year they capped ticket sales at 42,000. So even with less people, it was still lots of people. I did not hear or read about any COVID issues after the event, likely due to the vaccination requirements for all ticket holders. And then he gives us some points to consider in this offer. One, I live about 30 minutes outside of downtown, so I will be your chauffeur. That's a, that's a point in your favor. Two, I will also be your bellboy, carrying around all the stuff you have want to sell. All right, that's that's also in your favor. Three, you can stay at my home, so accommodations are covered. And he says in brackets, it's a nice new house. Pictures of both guest rooms will be provided. <laughs> and that's also in your favor. I'm, I'm loving this already. Four, all your meals are, are on me. Now, come on. This is like perfection. This is life. This is like, what, what, have we, what have I dreamed of all my life? Dave... I know you want to try a Brazilian steakhouse. We have Fogo de, Fogo de Chao. It's fantastic. Ian, they have a great salad bar at Fogo with lots of cheeses, veggies, and salmon. When I go there, I only get the salad bar, eating my weight in bacon and parm from the big wheel of parm. Dave, you said you also want to try southern food. I have a few places in mind. For both of you, there is an Italian restaurant, Provino's, I really love, that has the best eggplant parmesan. You will love it. I feel like there's a Parmesan theme to his uh, diet. You will love it. So much cheese and deep fried breaded eggplant. What's not to love? And any other foods you've discussed on air that I've forgotten. Five, I suggest you come a day or two early or stay a day or two late. That way I can take you to all of those great meals. And six, you should do a meetup while you're here. I'll bet you have lots of fans in the South. That's all I can think of. I hope to hear from you. And that was from Audie Feldgeier. So thank you, Audie, for that offer. That is wonderful. And uh, the reason I didn't respond is because I feel that we're a little up in the air mm-hmm. in our, um, you know. The in, world? In the world, yes. Yes. Anyway, back to e- other emails. Okay, but it is very tempting. It and, is uh, super tempting. I am. That's a, that's a maybe. We're, on a ma- we're, out, we're putting that on the maybe pile. I'm going to put myself on the 80%. And, and we're also putting it on the big thank you pile. But big thank that's you pile, idea. yeah. And nice also, you and give, it some, give it some solid thought. I just wanted you to know that I, I've been saying to Ian things like, YOLO, <laughs> and let's, you know, let's not, uh, let's not, you know, well, anyway, he knows what I think about this. Um, hey, we got, speaking of Brent Tannehill, which I, of whom I spoke of earlier in the show, he wrote an email to us. What? And he said, what is a place, he was answering a question from, uh, uh, not from last week's show, but from the week before. And, but this, uh, this response came back, uh, came in a little late for our last episode. So, um, he said, what is a place that you loved that is no longer there? He says, when I was about 15 years old, I traveled with my family up the coast from California to Washington. Along the way, I discovered pinball machines for the first time. There were none in my hometown. For some reason, they were illegal along with other pinball, act- sorry, uh, other sinful activities like pool tables. Where did you? Oh, I understand those. There are places like that, dry towns and such things. 
kind of ridiculous. But anyway, when we got to Gold Beach, Oregon, I thought that I had died and gone to heaven. There were three large pinball arcades. I had a wonderful time there and vowed to move there when I became an adult and spent all my time playing pinball. Well, things didn't turn out like I had planned, and I didn't make it back to Gold Beach for about 45 years. I had expected the arcades to have the newer pinball machines, but to my horror, there were no arcades at all. I talked to yeah I know that's what I, I talked to some old timers in the town and told them told them about the arcades that used to be there. They had this faraway look in their eyes and said something like, "Yeah, this used to be a fun place to live." That's sad. It's very sad, Brent. But I can see that maybe maybe that town took on those anti sin sinful activity laws, much to their much to their uh, regret, I'm sure. All right, and then we had a uh, a letter from our friend, our French friend, our ami, ami français, Regis. And Regis wrote to say, well, first, his subject is, it's tricky to mail a wine, to mail a wine that's right on time. <laughs> he says, hey, Merry Christmas. Not that I believe in Santa or little Jesus, but kids don't worry you live in a time where, or should I say when, the very existence of things only depends on your personal belief. If you believe in Santa... He exists. If you don't believe in the coronavirus, it does not. Simple. And you, and you can have proof. Not for the COVID. It does not exist. Therefore, there is no proof. So it's a proof. Silly me. Anyway, for Santa, if you get some gifts at the foot of the Christmas tree near the chimney or directly in your sock on the chimney, there's your proof. It's science. If you believe in such a silly thing. Speaking of gifts, I don't think I will have any. First of all, I don't believe in them. I don't have a chimney. And cutting trees makes me sad. And above all, I don't have I haven't been very nice this year. I was unemployed, enjoying my leisure as others worked to pay for it. And I really need to apologize to Ian, as I have uh I've used all this free time to torment him with my two long rants stuffed with cumbersome, obscure, and convoluted sentences, which made oh. no real sense, at least to me. You were right. Uh it's just to try to appear more intelligent than I really am, and I'm very sorry that you might have thought that it was to cast my shadow on your intelligence, which I know is great. In fact, we both know that our intelligence, intelligences are far greater than what we allow ourselves to think. But yours is the greater, greatest, never known. See, as you've got a great podcast, and I'm just cuckooing it. <laughs> Love that way of using cuckoo. But as you can see, it's kind of a sign of good faith, or sorry, as a as kind of a sign of good faith, I passed the burden to Dave. Secondly, I have already been punished as I've got a new job, so some random lazy bastards can take it easy. So Santa, if you exist, sock it to me. Wait a minute. Is it Santa or Satan? Kids, beware of what you wish for. Remember, everything is connected with the upside down. Boy, um, I, I think I'm really sneaky, don't I? And he says, I hope so. So sneaky Christmas... And sneaky New Year to all. P.S. Hey, I'm really, really thankful that you indulge me in my bad habits. You should not, but thanks, but thank you. You both really are more great than sneaky. Sneaky you. P.S. 2. Question 1. Aeroport or Aeroport? Omnubile or Omnibule? Yeah, I know. And then he gives a, a link to a, a website. I'll have to post this because he wrote to me as an email. I think the first is quite obvious, and the second is quite obsessive. I mean, I mean, I obsess. And the right word is the first. And still today, I thought it was really omnibule. So I guess the word omnibile is to obsess. Anyway, question two. Oh, sorry, that's a, 
Okay, wait a second. So, I don't know what he's saying here. To be <laughs> I have gotten lost in this because it's, fr- it's some French and there's so. Okay, I think the first is quite obvious and the second is quite obsessive. Aeroport. The meaning, I mean, is obsess. So, aeroport is obsess or obnubile? You got me there. I have to look this up. And the right wording is the first. And still today, I thought that it was really omnibile. Question two. That's a tricky one. How could I know? I'm French. Oh, I see. Eggnog. Eggnog is, uh, you don't have eggnog there. But do you have advocat? It's not at all like eggnog. He's French, so he doesn't have eggnog. Well, I got this to say. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) But on our box, on the carton of of eggnog, it says Lay de Poule. Hmm. That's just for the French. That's for the Quebecois, really. PS3. Hey, wait a minute. That's Penn and Teller in the video. Oh, okay. So I haven't watched this video yet. I'm going to have to watch it now. It's Penn and Teller. In conclusion, the story of my life and my preferred Run DMC song. Oh, another another one I have to post. That's from Regis. But he wrote it as R-E-D-G-I-S-S. Regis. Regis. Or Regis, if I'm really uh, going all out. Okay, so uh, we got a couple of other emails. One tells us that uh, there's some trouble with SneakyDragon.com. And they can help us. The other one says uh, we can grow revenue with SneakyDragon.com. And our last but not least is from Laurel Robertson. And she, with a subject reading, a sort of subject reading, greetings from North Carolina. Laurel writes, hello, dear David, who shall be reading this? And dear Ian, who shall have already read quite a few letters and now needs a vocal break. And dear sneakers, who shall be listening? I hope all are well. I do not recall being corrected aloud on a mispronunciation. If it did happen, I have apparently put that humiliation away from my mind. But there are two words, rather like Louise, that in reading I did not connect to real-world English speech for ages in my dim youth. Determined, I pronounced in my reading, reading head as determined, uh, sorry, determined, emphasis on the first syllable, last syllable, as in one who's been digging for coal. Yosemite in my head was yosemite. Two syllables, long I. No matter how many times I watched the Looney Tunes cartoon, has anyone else had trouble with this one? Me. Oh, did you have? You also called That's it... That's what I thought it was for the longest time, yeah. Yo's mate? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. That's great. Yeah. That's great. That's fine. It's a sign of a reader. As to eggnog, I think it's wonderful. I think you're wonderful, Laurel. Thank you for backing me up at eggnog. David and Ian, as many others have said, I'm really looking forward to your takes on Get Back when you are ready... We all have ideas to share, I'm sure. A lovely, joy-filled holiday to all of you delightful people, and I will do the same. Take care. Take care, Laurel. Sorry, I read the I read the exclamation mark as an L for some reason. Take care, Laurel. P.S. Ian and David, when you two funny heads started out episode 523 with Gilligan's Island talk, I laughed so hard. I mean, is there any other podcast yakking it up about that show? Absolutely not in such a hilarious manner, and probably not at all. You two really are the best. Happy Christmas. Thank you, Laurel. I appreciate that. Happy Christmas to you as well. And I'm glad we amused you with our... Uh, and our in, and we've talked so long, David and I, that it is now Christmas Eve. <laughs> it is now officially Christmas Eve. In our, in our time, yeah. We started at nine and now we're... Oh my gosh. We are a couple of yakaholics, but you know what? Yeah. Would it Would it be Christmas without us yakking it up? No, it wouldn't. As everyone knows, no. for many a long year now... Christmas tradition: the family gather around the 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 deep the um, the phone, the telephone, your cell phone, uh, listening to your favorite pod podcast app, and uh, turning on Sneaky Dragon. Well, you know we uh, address the nation. Yep. You know it's a regular thing. Yeah, we're like uh, the when Beatles used to put out their 
Christmas. Like, uh, exactly. That's week. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But we're like the later ones when it's even more disorganized and just a big mess. Yep. <laughs> and, the, and the early ones, the Beatles mostly talk about Gilligan's Island. <laughs> the just the best, best ones. Let's get a boat. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> the early ones, was, that was two, two shows ago. Oh, swim. We can't swim. It's too far away. We'll leave it dry. No, we should get a yellow submarine. Stop pitching that. <laughs> yes. By the way, those were uh, just two random characters that, uh, that knew the Beatles. Those weren't actual Beatles. Well, those were actual Beatles, but they knew them in Liverpool, so they had kind of a Liverpool out accent. I went to school with him. Hi. Yeah, that sort of stuff. <laughs> of course, emails are important, and I do love to read emails. But you know what's even more important? When people Boxing send us... <laughs> Boxing Day is right. Boxing Day is more important. When people send us big boxes. boxes of all kinds. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, sorry, everyone. I'm just going to make some noise. Okay. I'm just. Oh, shoot! I'm looking for my 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 uh, scissors. Just one second. I'm gonna stand up. Okay. So um, yes, we got a box in the mail, everyone. This came all the way from our friends in Australia. It was sent by Mick Elliott. Oh, nice. Who has uh already been so kind to include Ian and I in one of his uh. Squidge Dibley books. We played a couple yeah, of scientists who drank uh, snake urine. Which I think it's very flattering portrayal of Ian and I. And then also from Jonathan Bampton, who was a was a uh, a writer inner this week, and also known as a two time winner of the snake <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um So yeah, they sent us this big box of stuff. So I'm gonna cut it open with some scissors here. So I'm just moving it around and making a lot of rackets. Sorry, everyone. But let me just use the scissors to cut this tape here. This tape here. Maybe I could have got a exacto blade, but my exacto blade's in the house in the ah. in the uh, the bathroom in in progress. The other day uh, we came home on after we went to see that movie, the two movies went and saw the Shining Doctor Sleep. We came home. It was about one in the morning. We got home, and there sitting in our driveway, well, in our carport, was our this bathroom vanity that I ordered <laughs> um, ah. a month ago. And it was it was late. It was about twenty days late because of all the all the uh, mishaps with the weather and everything. And there it was sitting there, and uh, our reaction was, "It'll wait till morning." <laughs> so in the morning, I got up and uh, on Saturday, and I and I got up and I I took it apart. It was really heavy. the 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 top of the uh, the countertop is super heavy, so it was like it was uh, hard to move into the house that part of it. But luckily, we had some moving carts that had been left there by by the the movers who had taking some of the stuff out of the house they left us two carts to put our our um dryer and washing machine on when the time comes and so um so i we used those to bring in or one of those to bring in the bring in the uh the countertop because it was super heavy the vanity was also a little heavy so it's very nice it's uh, down in our basement right now because i still have not had time with the flood and everything to get back to the bathroom and i need some nice days to go and get drywall from the store because i can't bring it home in the rain so uh so yeah it's, uh, you know, once Christmas is over, I'll get back on it. And I've got 10 days off from work next week, over the next week. So uh, I'm going to try and tackle a little bit of it. Okay, I'm almost open it here. I've been wasting time talking about things. Oh, oh a Christmas gift for David yeah. and Ian, it says inside. There's a little card, so let me open this up. It's been it's been glued shut. So let me just tear it open. Oh, another nice drawing from... Thank you so much. It says it's a drawing of of Ian and I, 
and uh, we are half human and half dragon. And it says, sneaky greetings. And then inside it says, hey, Ian and David. So Jonathan Bampton and I teamed up to send you gents this seasonal care package all the way from Australia. Hope it arrives before December 25th, or at least in time for your Boxing Day podcast, hopefully with Jason Dedrick. Yes, Jason will be a guest on our next episode, everyone. So hopefully uh, you can all look forward to that because he is always a joy on the show. Well, it isn't a box of cash. It may be even better. Um, and then it's, it's dot, dot, dot. But then he says, I note on one of the gifts, the Dragon Money Box is an iconic item that most Australian kids in the 80s had. They were a promo item for a local bank. I've been trying to track one down to send you. Finally found one on eBay. Enjoy the Australian chocolate, and thanks for another year of Sneaky Dragon Podcasts, Mick Elliott. So thank you both to Jonathan and Mick. I really appreciate it, and I love the drawing on the card. We're gonna. I'll put that. I'll bring that down for Ian to see, and we'll put it in. We'll put it on our uh, our recording table, so we have we'll have it there forever. Nice. So yeah, we've got some. Yes, we've got some caramel koalas. Ian will be happy to know. Nice, the best. Move that out of the way here. We've got some minty balls, crunchy chocolate balls, milk chocolate. Mm, those look good too. Move those over there. Uh, two sneaky dragon ink. This is oh, this is another. Okay, I'll open that up in a second. We've got. Oh my god. What's that? This is so cool. This, this is the dragon bank. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, nice. Okay, that'll also sit on our table. Cool. I won't open that yet. It's in bubble wrap. <laughs> that's very nice. And then there's Rockley Road Raspberry Milk Chocolate. These look great. They have Looks like they have uh, cherries in them or something like that. Licorice? Did they come out licorice? Raspberry flavored licorice? Oh my god. I don't know if, you'll, I don't know if these will make it to you, Ian. That's good. You can have it. <laughs> you don't like raspberries? Or you don't like licorice? Uh, no, I'm good, but thank you. All right. I, think, okay. I think I stated my position on licorice in general earlier, but yes. Okay, and the bottom of this is a book. The rest of it. <laughs> it is uh, The Cigars of the Pharaoh. It's it's a uh, it's an archive version of the original printing, which I do oh, not wow. have, so thank you very much. I'm going to keep this. Ian's not going to get it. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> Sorry to be a jerk. No, uh, that's fine. And then, um, let me open this up here. All right, so then there's some more. There's chocolate bar. There's a violet crumble. Turkish nice. delight. Oh my gosh. I know Ian loves Turkish delight. You can have that. <laughs> some cherry ripes. Those are good. Those are good. Put those over here. And, man. And then hey, a. Uh, in the freezer for a while, and then. Uh, then a chiquito. Chewy caramel fudge, crunchy balls, and loads of chocolate. Nice. Sounds good, too. Okay. Oh, and then there's a, a CD in here. Okay. The the Favs? The Favs missing footage? I don't know this group. Okay. You will. I guess I will. And then... Oh, another one of the Favs. Favs 2. This is a... Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Let me just... Read. There's another card here. This is from Jonathan Bampton. The Never Again Winner, etc., etc. Fix, fix. <laughs> uh... And he says, thanks so much, Mickey E., for jumping your consignment. I don't know what that means. It's a it's an Australian idiom. Do you know what it means? Nope. Okay. I read it anyway. Okay, I'm opening oh. I'm opening the card now. I wish we could have done this together, but And inside is a it says have a superhero kind of day. It's uh, all the Marvel characters. And uh, it's got some some uh, activities inside it. And it says, Dear Ian and Dave. 
Thank you sincerely from the bottom of our hearts for the great work that you do. Just Aww. think, a free-flowing conversation you have with a great mate once a week at home is eagerly awaited by scores of people around the world. Dave has expanded my mind with his pop culture mind and Ian with his quick humor and humanity, giving me pause for thought in how we treat people on a micro level and how simple adjustments of tone can make everyone's day better without much effort. Sneakers know when an episode drops, their insides illuminate. Um, in anticipation, they tell all their friends, like, subscribe, and rate. Please accept <laughs> Australian con it says confect as a small token of my thanks, most are owned by international concerns these days, but are still pretty good, even though the cheapskates often replace uh, replace replace uh, with compound chocolate. Please also enjoy an album of my favorite Australian band, The Foes or Fobs. Uh There we go. And then uh, hmm, he's got a bunch of writing on here, huh? And then he says um, <laughs> he's got some thoughts about superheroes. I'll leave Ian to read these things uh, when when the time goes. Oh my God, there's even more in the back. Question, <laughs> questions? Uh, okay. Oh my gosh. All right. Are you ready for these questions? Yeah, yeah let's pull it through. We'll do it. Let's okay. Do it. One, Dave, would you rather have your daughter say, I hate the Beatles or I love Star Trek? I'd rather have they say, I love Star Trek. Um, I don't think hating the Beatles is healthy. Two, Ian, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think Rorschach test? I think of uh, the Watchmen comic book and Rorschach taking the Rorschach test and uh, saying he sees a pretty butterfly. So that uh, they don't think it's crazy. I'm, I'm probably the same. Probably the same. All right, number three. Dave, When when's the last time you wore a tie? Well, just so you know, I wear a tie every Sunday at church as singing in choir. And I don't wear a clip-on tie. I wear a tie-up tie. Four. Ian, when did Dave make you laugh the most? Doesn't have to be... Uh, doesn't have to be intentionally. I don't know. It's pretty consistently. Like, uh, I'd say over the last ten years. <laughs> I laugh the most for the last 10 years so on a regular basis for like hours at a time yeah. there you go that's good uh if there's a choice podcast you need to find consider this canadian one you'll find a sublime oh this is doggerel on sneaky dragon written by jay bampton so these are these are some doggerel by him okay. if there's a choice podcast you need to find consider this canadian one you'll find it sublime you may work night shift or be paid to watch paint dry then why not give sneaky dragon a good old try <laughs> those are two those are two very good reasons to be listening to the show, I think. Excellent. For the host, we'll get right under your skin like a dragon's <laughs> talons. We'll accept you'll live. Dave and Ian talk into the wee hours about childhood sweets, even Jack Bauer. <laughs> That's true. Some podcasts are really quite smug, and their sordid endeavor they seamlessly plug. But the boys over at the dragon never got on the self-important wagon. Ian says fine with an exasperated sigh, gives the benefit of the doubt, always the compassionate guy. He even lets David off the hook when his buddy says, fuck Star Trek, I'd rather read a good book. Louise, Ed, Chris, Rob, and Mick keep the conversations going at quite a click. I've run out of a postcard. I've run out of postcard. What a prick. Over and out, thank you to Mick Elliott for letting me piggyback on his assignment to Mooseland. That's great. Thank you so much. I wish I, I didn't want to open it until until uh, we did the show together. So I'm sorry I kind of stumbled through that, but uh, that's really great. Oh, and then he adds on on this CD here. He's written a little note that says, "Please come to Australia soon to do a live Sneaky Dragon. Here is a down payment. You will note our Queen looks the most annoyed of all the Commonwealth currencies. Oh, he sent us money. Let me just see. It's a <laughs> it's a it's a five five dollar note. Five Australian nice. dollars. 
Nice. Thank you so much. And it's it's kind of like Canadian money. I'm remembering correctly. They're called dollar dues. Uh, <laughs> they're called dollar dues. That's right. Five dollies. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Okay, that's a down payment. Well, let's put that. We have to wait for other Australian uh, listeners to send their send their hard-earned money. Woo! That's great. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And I'm, you know, some of this and even and some of this chocolate might make its way to Ian next next week. <laughs> <laughs> I can't guarantee it. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so much. That means a lot. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, even though you have Christmas in the summer, which is so strange. <laughs> so strange. Having your turkey in the boiling heat. <laughs> oh boy. Nothing like having a a hot cooked dinner in, in in the hottest day of the year. Stay cool. Stay cool this Christmas. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Um. So we have we have one question. What was that question? Oh, the question was, what's something good that has a bad name? Oh, okay. Something good, but it's named something really bad. And you're like, ugh, it's terrible. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. Good question. Um, do we have a second you have one? Anything, uh, maybe, maybe forthcoming for, well, I, I promise you, you wouldn't have to come up with something. Okay, well, how about, um, how about this question? All right. If you, if you don't like it, you can go with yours, but I was just going to say, what's your favorite Christmas song? Boom, there you are. What's your favorite Christmas song, everyone? Don't think about it too hard. First one that comes to your head. Yep. If you think about it too what's long. Your what's your favorite New Year's song? Old Lang Syne? Oh, we're done. Okay, asked and answered on that one. Back to Christmas songs. Yeah. Okay, if, you think, if you think about it too long, you start getting like, you start going down rabbit holes and pretty soon you're like, you know what I want to hear? I want to hear Santa Dog by The Residents. You know, like that's that's the best Christmas song. Santa Dog and Jesus Fetus. Santa Dog and Jesus Fetus. Santa Dog and Jesus Fetus. In the future. In the future. <laughs> there you are. That's The Residents. Weirdly, that song is done like it's sung by a vocal quartet. It's a very odd song. Anyhow, maybe one day we'll play Santa Dog for our Christmas show, or for okay. Christmas top five Christmas ones. Folks, you heard the questions. Our call call to action is to send us your answers. And to do so, I recommend that you go to the website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. There you'll find this show, episode 525. And you can leave an uh, answer to these to these ear splitting questions there ear splitting hair splitting something splitting adam splitting questions you know we have a we have an email it's called sneaky d at sneaky com, and we love to get emails because i like to read them so you're welcome to send us an email and we will read your lovely thoughts there as well you can uh, you can say things to us on facebook we have a website called sneaky dragon and you can also uh, tell us things that you think about on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. And uh, that's everything, everyone. And I just want to say, I know we wished you all a Merry Christmas last episode, but, you know, I just want to say to you, best of the season, I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you had lots of fun with your family. And I hope you had a pleasant time. And I hope that you got through it all right. I know sometimes Christmas can be a hard season for people. And so I hope that maybe we helped you a little bit get through that. And uh, enjoy some uh, enjoy some turkey and or roast pig on me. <laughs> Ian, would you like to say something? Uh, yeah, just uh, cut yourself some slack. Uh, <laughs> That's love good. Each other. And, uh, you know, uh, be especially nice to your pets because they don't understand Christmas. This is confusing for them. <laughs> They're like, going, what's, what's going on? Why is there a tree in the house? What's up? So uh, be nice to your pets as well this uh, holiday season. That's and uh, thanks for listening. That's true. All right, everyone, we will uh, see you soon. Bye. Bye.
down. We'll see if I slowly freeze. There no, no, go. you can keep it on. Yeah, I understood, but it's actually getting too warm in here. Oh, right okay. <laughs> As you know, I'm recording this in a very, very small closet. Yes, you're in you're so, in your own uh, personal sauna. Yeah, I said I said that to uh, my wife, but uh, she's finished, so she's very particular about a sauna. And I was like, well, there's no uh, there's no rocks heating things. I mean, it's going to mm-hmm. be infrared, I suppose. But nah, no, it's not a sauna. So you know. Yeah, the Finnish people is where finicky comes from. Oh, you're not wrong, especially <laughs> when it comes to sauna. Yeah. Got to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> Remember, it's not really a sauna unless you go out and uh, get cold and then come back in. Mm. Otherwise, you're just, you know, enjoying the comfortable part. If mm-hmm. you don't want that. No, you have to, yeah, you have to go outside, jump in the water, then beat yourself with birch branches. Yeah, yeah, you got to cause some pain and make it uh, un- unfortunate. Yeah, that's right. It's just like, you know, after dinner, you got to chew some glass. You know, just really get that pain in there as well. And I was like, now you really enjoy the meal, right? And it's like, mm, uh, I think I just go for the part that I like. No! That's not how it works at all. Like, okay. Here, have some candy. Oh, I love candy. It's salty licorice. What are you thinking? (laughs) You lost me at licorice. You double lost me at salty. (laughs) Salty licorice. I'll be honest with you. And I grew up with a friend uh, who had Dutch parents. So salty licorice is right up my alley. Okay. You're down with the salty licorice. Down with it. Awesome. Fair enough. What could be better? Or more surprising, <laughs> for one thing, my mom is a huge is a huge licorice fan. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you don't get much, you at least get licorice, <laughs> right? So and then um, so you do develop like a taste for black licorice. You're like, well, it's not so bad. And then um, you know, then one day you go to someone's house, you know, their parents offer you some licorice. You're like, black licorice, I'm down. And then you bite into it and you're like, hmm, salty, but all right, it's good. I can take that or leave it. I uh, I have relatives who uh, chew tar. Like if there's a bit of tar, they'll just take a piece of tar, chew that, and that's like a nice treat from when they were a kid. <laughs> and chew some tar. <laughs> that just seems like so, a you know, that's more showing off. Like, yeah, if there's some, if you if you start having licorice and you're like, yeah, I guess that's okay. Well, the next stage is tar. <laughs> you know, I haven't gone there yet, but uh, who knows? Let's not let's yeah, not count. You're on the way. Don't You'll don't see. count me out yet. I might. Yeah, one day you'll just be like doing, uh, you know, fixing your roof, tarring your roof, and then, you know. Mm. Looks tempting. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and you're serving it to your friends on Christmas. Sure. Yeah, there you go. And that's how you get rid of your friends. Then you don't have to do anything on Christmas. Look at all this free time. Thanks, Tar. <laughs> yes. Let me check what episode this is. Oh, that's interesting. It's 525, coming out on the 25th. Yeah, 25th, and it's, a Christ- it's our Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Neat. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Oh, okay, there we go. Who knew? Well, we we getting it to look a lot like Sneaky Dragon. <laughs> so it's an odd one. So that's you. Uh, you get to host the odd. I'll get that? to host it. So let us let us um get some silence. All right, you need some silent night. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, here we go. And and I'll start. All right, you ready? Here we go. Sure.